rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Hello. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. We're doing a show. Yeah. We're doing another weekday special. Thank you, Jim. Oh, my God. Right out of the gate yet again. Jim, he's the first one here, and he's got a super chat. He puts the bar tab, he puts his cover tab on the table. He, he pays his cover, and he comes on in. Thank you, Jim. And I am doing a show tonight because last night we had another challenge. If we get a new patron, I said, I'll do a show tomorrow if we get another patron overnight. And we got not just one patron, but two patrons and we also had a, a an existing patron up his patronage double it so thank you sam for that and i want to welcome laura and also Lori. you guys make this show possible tonight's show is brought to you by laura sam and Lori. Okay, more swears. Is that what you want, Jim? More swearing? I'll try. We'll see what happens. I'm sure um, it'll it'll just come by naturally. I'll just start screaming. Yeah, how is everybody doing? <laughs> In the end of the world, I'm I'm not shocked anymore. Nothing bothers me. Not bothers. Yes, it bothers me, but nothing shocks me anymore. And every single day, I, I think about, I think about the, what I say, which is, it sucks to be right. I say that all the time. I wish I was wrong about Republicans. I wish that, everything I have said for years, I wish that, I, I, they, I wish they would prove me wrong. Because for years, I've said, not only that Republicans are unfit to hold leadership positions in a modern nation, but they hate democracy. They are the enemies that the founders warned us about. They are dragging us back to the system that the founders rebelled against, a country where the rich run and own everything and everybody else knows their place. And every single day, they prove me correct. If only, okay, we know what's going on now. Trump, it, I, I never thought, okay, first of all, greed, We sorry for hitting the microphone, but I got to stop with the hand movements. I keep hitting the mic. But greed is the only American value nowadays. I think for, I, that, that's always kind of been the primary American value, but we had some periods of time um, where we had leadership, and I'm specifically thinking of FDR, who warned his party and the American people in general to have uh, to, to focus on humanity. Don't put the um, don't put the base instincts or in or the uh, you know don't put greed ahead of human values, the advancement of the human race. There's more to life than just 
funneling money into the hands of a few. And, yeah, we haven't listened, of course. I think this is, uh, this country is really showing the, the rest of the world. Um, it, and it, ultimately, it's showing Putin, it's showing the, all the autocrats um, it, what, it, what it's doing is giving them talking points where they can point to and say, look, see, I told you, democracy doesn't work. Western civilization, this is why we, uh, you know, Putin needs to be in, uh, the president for life. The, and he's pointing to this country. And right now, and he's not wrong, because the chaos. You see, in order to have a functioning society, you need to have, you need people who agree. They all, you all want a, the same goal. You can't, cannot be working at cross purposes. You know what it's like even, let's say, being in a relationship or going on a vacation, let's say, with your family. How are you going to do that if all of every person in your family is going to a different location or trying to get to a different place. It doesn't work that way. You all have to agree. You have to agree with each other that, okay, we'll go, we'll go to, uh, this year we'll take a trip to the Adirondacks. You can't get in the car and then all of a sudden your, whoever's navigating gives you directions to I don't know, uh, Disneyland, while the, you want to go one direction and you, you know what I mean? It doesn't work. You have to agree what the outcome is. And right now in this country, we don't agree. They may openly say that they, they first of all, they don't say that they love democracy. That's for sure. They say they, they love America, but they have no idea. Yeah, they love America. They love the idea of power. That's what it is. They, they have no idea what America is about. They cling to the symbols of America. So it's not like the shiny objects for the dupes and who are also entirely confused about what it is to be an American. This country is so fucked up. There's the first curse of the night. And and that is by design. It's almost like I sometimes I criticize the people of this country, and then I think, well, a lot of them they don't, you know. It's like you can't help it because the whole th- the whole apparatus of government, the whole uh, uh, the education system, everything is conspiring to make people stupid and overworked, underpaid, and and divisive, and at each other's throats. But I never thought I'd see the day. Well, what am I saying? I never thought I'd see the day. It's the Republicans, for example. Would you just think about what we what what we're dealing with now? That Twitler knew that Putin, his buddy Putin, that he tweeted about. I'm sure you've seen the tweets, even before he was the president, where Putin tweeted that 
Um, I mean, it's so pathetic. I'm not Putin. Twitler <laughs> tweeted, can Putin be my best friend? What a needy little bitch. Who needs a girlfriend like that? That's somebody that creeps you out, really. That's somebody who's so clingy and needy. Can he be my best friend? No. But what do you think Putin's sitting there when he sees a tweet like that? Or he knows what he's dealing with. And what do you think they spoke about behind closed doors when Putin and Twitler had a meeting where no uh, American anybody could be there and Twitler confiscated the notes, the interpreter's notes. Now, what do you think they were talking about? Think they were talking about, uh, do you think Twitler was was talking about how concerned he was that um, about the death of Jamal Khashoggi or how concerned he was that Putin is a um, is a dictator or how Putin sent his agents into the uh, into the territory of our allies and murdered people? No. He's not that worried about that. They're, they're not, he's not advancing democracy because Twitler doesn't he doesn't like democracy. He just likes, you know, he likes humping flags. That's what he thinks patriotism is. Hugging a flag and getting the idiots to buy into your latest scam. But I never really thought, you know, as every trapdoor opens, and they fall further down, and we all fall further down into Dante's 15th circle of hell. Because each day, the Republicans prove me correct more and more. Because I always say, I, they're hypocrites. The, the beating heart of conservatism is hypocrisy. And in every conservative chest beats the heart of fascism. Every day, I, they prove me correct. And... Thinking about their, their oh, so outraged, the faux outrage that we always have to deal with. What they put this country through. The incessant manufactured outrage that is designed to keep people divided and fighting. To keep the dupes, you know, d- d- marching uh, to their tune and turning their anger on their fellow Americans instead of at the billionaires and the elites who the Republicans really work for. So, and the, and the not just Republicans, the conservative Democrats as well. So, thinking about, what, what do you think they would say if the shoe was on the other foot? You could, we could play this game all day. If it was Obama, that it was revealed, was receiving presidential daily brief that he ignored. Oh, he said he he didn't believe it. I guess because he didn't see it on Fox News. Because that's where he gets his his presidential daily brief. It comes from fucking Sean Hannity and Fox and Friends. So, it, it, while we were being told that American service members were, they, they had price, a price on their heads that Putin was pl- paying the Taliban to murder American service members. 
I can't think of something more disgusting. I, I, I'm sure I can if I sat here for a minute. Give them a second. They will come up with something more disgusting. Everything that the Republicans supposedly stand for. Oh, they love the troops. They support the troops. Yeah, they love the troops so much. Especially when they can go cha-ching, cha-ching. Your life ain't shit to them. That's what it's worth. And what did Twitler do to, to thank Putin? You think he, was, he spoke about that in their private meeting? How concerned he was? Or maybe he wanted to know if he can get in on the scam. Hey, you give me a cut. I deserve a cut of that, of the bounty on their heads. I'm the one that sent them over there. I'm the one that keeps them there. If it wasn't for me, there'd be no bounty to collect. Where's my piece? Where's my finder's fee? That's what I'm sure he's concerned about. The only reason, like in the Ukraine, for example, well, Ukraine, I should say, there, he's so concerned about corruption, supposedly, only because he needs his peace. Where's his vig? That's who the Republicans are. They get, give a shit about the troops. I'm so sick of this shit. The troops, the troops. Well, you real, really respect the troops, don't you? They're so, they're so profitable. Whether they live or die, there's somebody's getting paid. The military-industrial complex... The is just the Taliban itself. Keep it going. Keep the terrorism going uh, with the money that Putin is giving them to murder our fellow Americans. But nobody cares there. It's not like we have skin in the game. I love how Republicans, they always want us to have skin in the game. Like as if we don't have skin in the game. As if we're not the ones out here breaking our balls constantly, working our, our fingers to the bone for the unholy dollar out here in this merciless kiss-up, kick-down economy. Oh, no, we need skin in the game. That's another reason why we're, we supposedly pay for, we have to pay for health care. That whole thing about co-pays and co-insurance, deductibles, all that shit, that's... And, and part of Medicaid, this all came because Republicans have this ideology. They hate you, you see. They hate the American people. They have no respect for you at all. So they, they think you need skin in the game. Like you have nothing better to do in your life except go get a pap smear. So you have to pay. Unless you didn't, if you didn't pay, then you would be, Getting a uh, getting a pap smear every other month or something, I guess. So they you need skin in the game, and then there are people who are mentally ill that go to a doctor a lot. Uh, so what do they call them? Hypochondriacs. And if that's the case, then they should go to the doctor because then they would be identified for having an illness and they'd be able to get help for it. But not in this effing country. Anyway, so they always talk about skin in the game, skin in the game. We have the skin in the game. They're not going over there. The only skin in the game they got is, uh, where's my cut? So they supposedly are so concerned about the troops, the troops, the troops. But where, what are they saying about this? 
about Twitler doing nothing when we, when we know, we have learned that the Russians are paying for the, the Taliban to murder our fellow Americans. And as we learn this, Twitler, he's giving Putin all, all of his gifts. He's pulling out of Syria. He's inviting him to be part of the G7. He wants him in the G. He wants it to be the G8. And he's, you know, he's like, hey, uh, this is my, it's like a girlfriend that your friends don't like. And you want to bring him around. I, I really want my friends to, you know, to approve of my, of my girlfriend or whatever. I mean, that's, he's such a fucking tool. Of course, Putin plays him. I mean, wouldn't you? He's easily played. He's greedy. He's stupid. He's fucking easily triggered. Talk about triggered. That's what I love about Republicans. If only they had a mirror and they were so obsessed with mirrors instead of a wall, maybe they'd look at themselves. They're the ones who are constantly triggered. Who's triggered? Oh, yeah, we get triggered when... Americans needlessly die without health care. That triggers me. Yeah, and it should trigger you as well. If you're a normal fucking person. Disgusting. These people, what we have to endure living with these people. That, and this is why <clears throat> they've rigged the game. And this is, what, this is what's at stake. Everything, you know, everything's at stake. Not just, uh, this is the most important election in our lifetime. Yeah, so important. It is. They keep saying this, right? Don't get me going, though. That's why they sent Joe Biden in. So today, well, there's so many things going on in my mind. I'm trying to think, which, where should we start? And I want to say thank you all for hanging out. I see you all in the chat room, filling up in the chat room. So if you're on any other platform watching the show, come on over to the RDT Daily YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C for channel slash RDT Daily Media. And that's where everyone is hanging out in the chat room. And it's a good chat room. I think you guys like the chat room more than you like the show. And that's okay, too. It helps me. And, I mean, I'm, I, I hang by a thread from day to day. I thank God. Well, not God, but I thank, I thank you all for the show. And I hope to do it every single day. That's why I ask you to become a patron at patreon.com slash taradevil. And eventually, we will have a set time and a daily show. I know it feels like a set time, but it won't be. I'm only, only doing it because I have the time. And I'm trying, while I have the time right now, because everything sucks. The whole country sucks. As it, Well, it always sucks. But as um, I'm trying to build this platform and hustling work and shit like that. So I'm trying to, 
I'm trying to, uh, I'm just looking at the chat and Jim says, hey, hey, Tara, did you say something? <laughs> That's funny. That's good. So, yeah. So I'm trying to do as many shows as possible so we can build a community, find more f people to hang out and be part of this thing, this thing of ours. And that's what's going to, that, that is what will win. So today, let me just begin actually by, let's see, if you're not on our Discord chat, you might want to go there and join us. So I received a letter from Comfy Socks, and she wrote, uh, thank you for the show last night, Tara, I want to comment on the Bidens in the chat, blah, 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 especially about that atrocious children's book, so, <laughs> which we read, um, Jill Biden's Nazi-like children's book about, be brave, Natalie. It could have been written by Magna Goebbels. Anyway, so she writes, I'm a democratic socialist and a longtime Bernie supporter, and I believe he got screwed twice in 2016 and 2020. He is not perfect, no candidate is, but I felt he had the best message and platform as well as the biggest tent, so to speak, and the DNC did not want to, him to lead because it serves their selfish interests to immiserate the populace. I mean, God forbid Amer um, average Americans ever achieve a basic quality of life, or a more peaceful society. Biden was obviously anointed this time around. Why? I'm not sure. He struggles to speak. I'm not shaming cognitive decline, but do you think it's completely irresponsible for him to run? He should never have participated in the primaries. Instead, he should retire and take care of himself. Jill Biden is a willing participant in this charade. If she truly cared for her husband and not for power or money or position, she would encourage him to retire and rest. We are facing another sham in November, another false dichotomy. So I guess my open-ended question is, how do we fix this after November? I'm not going to help give Trump another four years. We won't survive it. But I also don't want to be here again in four years from now. I've had enough. So I hear you, and I wrote back, how, how are we going to fix this? This is how we're going to fix it. If, and I wrote back, it feels overwhelming, but in my opinion, we fix this by waking up as many people as we possibly can. That's how it begins. I'm not saying this is the end. Everybody has their role, Okay. We have a, yeah, I have the ability to sit here and, and talk. And that's a good skill. We need that skill. So I, I, I can, that's what I can do, uh, among other things. And other people have other skills. Maybe somebody else like AOC or whoever will step up and run for office. But it's, she doesn't get anywhere without a populace behind her. And how does the populace um, understand what is at stake and what's wrong and how we fix it? 
through the media. That's how important the media is. And they know it. The rich know it. The corporations know it. The Republicans especially know it. The conservatives know it. They've been doing this. They, they have been building this society for long before I was born. This is all part of the game that they played. And that game began when Roger Ailes went into Nixon, into Nixon's office and said, we need a media, we need to own the media. We need GOP TV. And that's exactly how it began. They understood that they had to get their, they had to somehow make their message, their conservative message, their anti-democratic, kiss up, kick down, I got mine, sucks to be you, divisive message. They have to make that message palatable, pal- yeah, that's the right word, for the masses. And not only, uh, they're not just presenting their message, uh, their message, they're not presenting it honestly. They are, they're, they're, they're disingenuously presenting it. Because not only are they saying, because if only they were saying, right, like in other countries, they have the fascists and they outright say, we're the fascists and we believe that corporations should run government. And okay, at least they're honest about it. And like Mussolini said, that that fascism should be called corporatism. It is the merger of corporations and state. And in the, in the fascist, in Mussolini's fascist government, they had representatives from the corporations themselves in the parliament. That is fascism. That's true fascism. Here, we just have representatives who are bought through a process called, um, I guess it's the campaign finance uh, legal bribe. I mean, we have legal bribes built right into the system. And this is the the system that we have is so corrupt that the country is now in 40 years the least upwardly mobile. We create billionaires. We don't create uh, a wealth that works for all, an economy that works for all. And that should be the goal of any democratic economy because you can't have a system that is has concentrated wealth and democracy at the same time. This is why we have to have a show like this and others like it. And I say it all the time and it's, you know, maybe it's, it's kind of just I don't know. It's, I'm not being facetious. It's the truth. If this were a functioning society, we wouldn't be here. They if Stephanie Rule would be sitting here saying, please become a patron, and we would be on MSNBC talking to millions of people because the, that, that would facilitate a functioning society. It's all related. The American people have to know history. They have to understand what it means to have a democracy. What does it mean to be a patriot? This is another thing that I 
continuously try deliberately to reclaim. We conceded the, the word patriotic to these fucking fascists. They don't deserve it. They never earned it. And they prove that they're not patriots every single goddamn day. So what does it mean to be, what does it mean to be an American? What does it mean to be, you know, I mean, you have to turn, you don't, don't, you don't just know this stuff by osmosis. You have to, you have to hear it to the point where it makes, it's just part of common knowledge. It used to be part of common knowledge that the American people understood that who, who their enemies were, so to speak. That the rich, not that the rich are enemies, but concentrated wealth was the greatest danger to a free democratic society. As FDR said, organized money is just as dangerous as organized mob. And people don't know that. But they hear, they hear a lot of shit. They hear a lot of bullshit. They hear, oh, conservatives are t- low taxes. They don't understand. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it? This is what we hear all the time. Who's going to pay for a functioning society? Guess what? We all pay for it. Yeah, we pay for it now. And we get nothing except bombing wedding parties in Afghanistan, sending troops into the incubator for terrorists so they could be targeted and marked for a bounty courtesy of Vladimir Putin. So the American people are hearing a lot of bullshit. That's why we have the problems that we have. Many, I mean, it's, it's, it is a lot deeper, yes. Because, I mean, the Democratic Party is not perfect, and we know that. And we talk about it all the time. But they also, they conceded the working class to the Republicans when they adopted, well, with Clinton. And they deliberately like turned their backs on the New Deal and jettisoned um, the, the working class base. The, I mean, really, why would you do that? Now they're, anyway, I, I don't want to go into it. Because we will. Uh, it happens. But you know what I'm saying. It's, uh, it is far more complicated as well. It's deeper than just uh, Democrats against Republicans. No, it's a little bit more complex than that. And that's why we have to, and this is what I say about this show, I don't care about Republicans. I don't waste my time with them. To me, they're the lost cause. They're the people. How are you going to convince people who don't give a shit that somebody came down an escalator saying Mexicans are rapists? I assume some of them are good people. And you say, oh, that's the guy to represent me. The same, you know, have the same access to all the information. The person who... Is a, is a grifter. We all know this. And they say, um, yeah, that's the guy for me. How do you, how are you going to convince these people? There's something not right with them. So maybe you have to do what human beings have always done 
and evolve despite them. And they will come kicking and screaming. They always do. They have no choice. They enjoy the life that liberals create for them. The society, they pretend that they like the society. In fact, they'll start when it becomes the, uh, um, as American as apple pie, whatever, the, whatever initiative we pass, like Medicare, Social Security, unemployment insurance, all of the things that Republicans fought tooth and nail as decrying, I mean, we all, did, I'm sure you heard Ronald Reagan's record that he, he put out during the argument about Medicaid, how if we pass Medicaid, we will one day look back at an America and tell our children, America was once free. He's saying that Medicaid is the road to tyranny. Where have we heard this before? We've heard it all. It, it's the argument. That's the only argument they have. So now, what do you think Republicans do? Oh, they all position themselves as the champions of Medicare and Social Security. So that's what they do. So what, when we pass universal health care, when we pass universal higher education, living wages, retirement security, all of those initiatives that are progressives, that they fight, that these filthy, disgusting Republicans fight tooth and nail, and conservatives, not just Republicans, conservatives who have a D after their name will fight it too. And, but they'll all position themselves Immediately, they'll start scrambling to pretend that they were for it all along. So that's how we know we're, we're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of democracy, especially uh, as because they, the arguments that they use against anything that we try to do that makes this a more perfect union, that makes this country work for, for more than just the 1%, they use the same arguments constantly. It's always tyranny. Socialism is evil. Socialism is death. What about Venezuela? Are you kidding me now? What they see, what's, what's happening is because the world is a small place. And there you go. That's another example of how important it is to own the message. When kids are going on the Internet, they see the world. It's a very small place. They see that every other country has universal health care, and they're not. It's not Nazis. This is, these are nice, normal places. They even have friends there. They FaceTime with them. And wait, wait, we don't have health care? No, it's not. The, the, the word socialism and democratic socialist does not hold the same power as it once did. And that's because the power of information, media, the message, it gets out. And that's how we're going to win. I, maybe um, you have a different idea, but no matter what... What, no matter what, even uh, if you say, okay, go run for office or uh, whatever it might be that you think people need to do or run locally. I know like Ron Placone, is, he always talks about 
local government. All of that requires the message to get out there. You have to, whether you're doing a show, knocking on people's doors, leaving door hangers, uh, posting advertisements, putting up billboards in the neighborhood, all of that is getting out your message. So I don't think there's anything more powerful than having than owning the media in a sense having a show like this where or yeah when kids or whoever young people go on the internet they're not accidentally tripping into these uh you know project verite or some fox news fascist or tommy lauren where they hear shit bullshit and they don't know because they don't have experience because they're young and they don't know everything yet. Maybe they think they do, but so it's a, it is it leaves an impression. So we're here to ensure that we also leave an impression. And that's how we're gonna win. And it's exactly how the country began and the the independent liberal media of the time meaning the pamphleteers who 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 produced these pamphlets where th- that people passed around and s- talked about the where the idea of a free democratic society was that was that's a radical progressive idea so don't we don't forget it. I say it all the time. I know you guys say it. That's why we are the real patriots. And we, we should proudly own that and reclaim the mantle of patriotism as we give out the good word, bring the good word. Because it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to be the least upwardly mobile. We don't have to be the country with the most coronavirus cases at each other's throats. It, it, it doesn't matter that the country is as big as it is. This is an excuse that the Republicans always use. Oh, we're so, we ha- we're just so big. We're also the richest country, and, you know, that's why we have a federal government. Anyway, and if that's the case, if, if it is that we're so big that we can't have a functioning society, then break it up. That's another proposal that I'm um, eager to explore, frankly. Because sometimes I'm just like, I've had enough of these goddamn right-wing albatrosses around my goddamn neck. That's why I have a tension headache all the time. You know what I mean? That we have to share the same air with these fuckers? So, let me play something, and then we can talk about it. Speaking of socialism, now that we're talking about that, and we're talking about how we need to own the message. So, for example, I don't know who this is. I was looking up, because I go on YouTube, because I have a show on YouTube, and I get all of the... I don't know who signs me up. Somebody has been signing me up for... A bunch of conservative, it must be a right winger, of course. They think they're being funny. So, but I don't, whatever. I like to read what they're saying. They signed me up for 
something called Conservative Brief, and it's a real cesspool. And I also started getting emails from Trump. I don't know who the fuck signed me up for that. Let me show you. I just got this email. And I, I know I didn't sign myself up for it. God damn it. Look. Trump and Pence. Friend, wow, I challenged our movement with raising another $18 million to finish the second quarter strong. And now we only reached our... Wait, not only did we not... Did we reach our goal? We absolutely crushed it. Patriots from all over the country stepped up when it mattered most. Really? Not patriots? Traitors. Dupes. Fascists, brown shirts, America-hating morons. And now, you know, when, when you say patriot, who do, what do you think of immediately? Oh, the, the patriot movement, the patriot party. Or whatever. You think of right-wingers. That's why we have to reclaim the word patriotism. They have completely bastardized it. And they have taken it without, without merit. They don't earn anything. What's with this hair there? They don't, they don't deserve the mantle of patriotism. They are not patriots. If this were 1776, they would be the loyalists. Why am I looking at myself? We know that. They would be pining for the king to trickle on them. So that's why they take it. They, they have to. They want us to be distracted. They want us not to catch on to the fact that they really hate democracy. What better way to dismantle a free democratic society that works for all than by calling yourself a patriot while you're doing it? It's all patriotism. You don't like... Oh, you, you don't like... Um, the, the fact that American people die needlessly without health care. Oh, uh, you know, it's patriotism. We want, we're just free. We want to be free. But no, they have, they conf- they're completely confused. So anyway, so there's this thing called campus reform that keeps popping up on my YouTube feed. It's a conservative thing i'm trying to find out who it is and i went to whois.com which you could put in any website and you should be able to it, it should show you who owns the website but this one is private you can also purchase a private uh, address and so i'm wondering i don't know who funds it anyway Campus reform. And it's all about, of course, what you would imagine. Reform? What are they talking about? Liberals. They don't like liberals. It's a, these right-wing, uh, these initiatives that they actively engage in, that the billionaires fund to give 
the class war against the working class, that veneer of legitimacy and the veneer of classes of um, of working class approval. It's all a scam. It's astroturf, like the Tea Party, the buses that were bussed in to, for people to scream about, get your government hands off my Medicaid, funded by the Koch brothers and the Heritage Foundation, billionaire front groups that get these idiots to do their bidding. And this campus reform, I'm sure, is one of them. I don't know. It's not a grassroots movement. There's no way. And it's all about how we should be afraid. Be afraid of anything that works for all. Be afraid of universal health care. Be afraid of universal higher education. Be afraid of anything. And well, they went to my neighborhood. They didn't interview me, though. And they asked AOC supporters about what they think about socialism. I'm Kevin Phillips with Campus Reform. Today we're in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's congressional district talking to her supporters about democratic socialism. Is it any different from regular socialism? And who's going to... Whoops, I hit the wrong button. Sorry, guys. I hate when I do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's see what they have to say. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, just elected, 28 years old, uh, self-proclaimed democratic socialist, which has a lot of people talking. Uh, what are your views on her so far? Um, I mean, I've heard only positive things. We love her. Yeah, we do love her. We, I voted for her because I'm from Queens. Uh, it was great. It's a breath of fresh air, and I hope it follows through into November. I like her spirit and um, that she's very different. People tend to freak out when they hear the word socialism like applied to anything. Um, why do you think that is? I think there's this old way of thinking about it. What do you think the government should be subsidizing? Um, so her platform includes um, free health care, college tuition, minimum living wage, housing as a human right. Are those things that you <gasps> think the government should be providing for people? Oh, my God. You mean the new New Deal? Sounds just like so radical, just like FDR's second bill of rights. Housing, the right to a job, the right to a living wage, the right to health care. You know, sounds exactly what FDR was saying, how we, once we beat fascism once and for all, this is how we secure a lasting peace. Of course, this fucking 22-year-old know-it-all, I, I, he, uh, he never interviewed me. But they go through the streets, of course, trying to make people look stupid. But come on, guys. You want to go toe-to-toe with stupid? The Trumpanzees are, uh, they have stupid, they have the market cornered on stupid. Look at their standard bearer, really. And this fucker has the nerve to say, oh, uh, like, we all, we're all a bunch of dum-dums here, apparently, according to him. And... AOC just won the primary with over nearly 80% support in this community. So I guess we're all just a bunch of assholes, dumb. Not like this fucker. Absolutely. Are those things that you would support? 
Yes, it is. Are those all things that you would support the government subsidizing? 100%. I feel like everyone should have like um, free um, education and health care. Yeah. How are we going to pay? It's called an investment. Like every other fucking country does. Like you can go to Germany. Oh, I can go there. Now I should go there, frankly. Go and just go learn. You go to Germany, anybody, not even a German citizen, you can get an education, higher education. They will send you to school. It's completely paid for. That's because they are making an investment. This is before the Jim is asking, where are the masks? This was over a year ago, this video. So it was before. This is when AOC first won her seat and all the conservatives are freaking out socialism socialism i probably should have prefaced that us oh god i mean us, us oh wait yes. so he asks, of course the age-old question who's gonna pay for it oh that means we can't have anything that works for all because the poor fucking put upon billionaires who are richer than they, I mean, the oligarchs of all time, for time immemorial, they don't have enough. You know, we're going to have the first trillionaire in six years from now. But who's going to pay for it? Nobody says who's going to pay for this one fucking billionaire to ride us all to the bank who has more money than the entire earth. He earned that money? All by himself. Or did it have something to do with the people who helped him, worked for the, or the country in which he made that money? Oh, some one guy who came up with a fucking bookstore online. So he gets to be the first trillionaire and we, we're not supposed to, we're not, we, we, you know, you're not free unless... We can have trillionaires while the American people are living check to check. This is a screwed up, upside down world. It's not democracy, ladies and gentlemen. I hate to tell you, that is the system the founders rebelled against. Where the rich run everything and everybody else knows their place. And the reason Jeff Bezos or any billionaire can accumulate that kind of money is because of the government who write the laws and the rich by the politicians who write the laws to ensure that the game remains rigged in their favor. It's not because they worked a trillion times more than everybody else. That's not how it works. And it also, we have to decide another reason the, the uh, even Thomas Jefferson talked about progressive taxation. How do you limit the power, the, uh, the dangerous power of concentrated wealth? Progressive taxation. They understood. So we and the American people at different times, we understood. We had leadership that understood at the time. FDR, who was in the American aristocracy, he understood about economic royalists who reach out to control government itself. That's not America. 
And it is our duty, as FDR said, it is the duty to overthrow that kind of power. We had it. How did he put it? Something about how we have the same. It's the it's the same challenge that face the Minutemen. How do we protect this thing that so many of us, not Republicans, well, some Republic, well, they call themselves not not fascists, not Twitler's family, that's for sure, that so many Americans died to entrust to us. We have a duty to overthrow the power of concentrated wealth. And guess what? That's why I say a show like this, I keep saying it because I'm also trying to build the community and to convince other people, as you guys support the show, but to hopefully get them on board to support and to see how important it is to have a true liberal media, to stand up and to spread the word, and to, to get the word out that it doesn't have to be this way. No, it's not democracy when we have billionaires lording over government and deciding what to do with us. We goddamn deserve a decent life. And it is our duty to tax them to the point where they are not powerful enough to corrupt our government. That's the duty of an American patriot, to protect the government from, any, uh, from the uh, big-moneyed interest, in this case, the greed. Because we're in it together. We live together. I mean, look at this picture here of these kids and the, this, uh, this asshole standing there. This is a community. People walking around, people living in apartment buildings. We're not, that's human beings. We live together. We're social creatures. We're interdependent species. So why is it that we don't understand, or we, some of us seem to be incapable of putting it together that, wow, you mean an economy that works for all? That's, that's, also, that's democracy? Yeah, democracy is the duty of a functioning democracy to ensure that the economy works for more than just a couple of fucking guys at the top. Four fucking people? No. That's the old system. That's the monarchy, the intergenerational aristocracy that the, uh, the founders overthrew. And this fucking young fucker, Heath, I guess, I don't know, he thinks we're not free unless billionaires can ride us to the bank unfettered by pesky government. No regulation. That's freedom. Don't tell a corporation that they can't stand in your doctor's office denying you care. Well, this is the meaning of life here, too. It, uh, it's all about that. Everything comes down to it. What kind of life? What kind of society do we want? So, of course, the question, they always say, who's going to pay for it? Even when, even the DLC Democrats during the Democratic debates, well, who will pay for your Medicare for all? It's going to be 
5,000 trillion billion dollars. Who's going to pay? They don't say who pays now. We all pay. We pay with our blood, our tears, our death by despair. Who's going to pay? We're paying now, you fucking ghouls. I don't want to hear this shit. The Democratic, the DLC Democrats say the same thing. Who's going to pay? That's why they're paid on, you know, the corporate media, the Chuck Todd's of the world. Well, who will pay? Who will pay for this? He doesn't have to worry about it. He's got his billions. He's dreaming of retiring in an RV while one-third of the American people can't retire if they fucking they only can dream about retirement and then they wake up and have to go to their uber job or their side hustle or their DoorDash or their fucking instacart delivery service you know what i mean you got to have a side hustle a main job a third job that's not a free people no wonder everybody's bamboozled because on the corporate media the Democratic debate. Oh, we're Democrats. We're supposed to be for health care, but who's going to pay? We're in this together. We leave no one behind, but who's going to pay? We leave 85 million Americans behind without health care. Oh, okay. Well, uh, who's going to pay, though, right? That's freedom. That's why this show and others like it are important because people turn on MSNBC and they hear that shit and they think, oh, that's liberal. That's, well, who's going to pay? And they start repeating it. Not, then not everybody's like us, involved, engaged, watching, reading about politics, seeing what's going on in this world. A lot of people are tuned out. And some of it, it's they can't help it because they're exhausted. That's another mark of a non-functioning society. If you're, you, I mean, the ultimate mirror of society that is functioning would be that we have people are able to take a goddamn day off, that they have time to be involved in their community, to see what's going on, to sit down and read a newspaper and maybe go to a community meeting or whatever because they're not on the way to their third uniquely American low-paying job or so exhausted that they all they can do on their day off is sleep. And they have... Uh, a function, a functioning society. We have all kinds of people. They do all different things. Some people are musicians. Some are artists. Some play sports. There aren't. They aren't all just banksters, or businessmen, or entrepreneurs. If I hear this one more time in this lifetime, it'll be too soon. However, you gotta go. Everybody has to go get a business degree. What kind of world is that? That's a pretty bleak, dark world. Anyway, so this fucker goes on and says, how are you going to pay? Healthcare. How are we going to pay this? Oh, God. I mean, 
Us. Us, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Who in your mind should pay for all of the free things? All of the free things? Listen to the way he frames it. All of the free things. You fucking tedious little fascist. Now, in what world? If this were a different time, you know what I'm saying. This, he'd be wearing a goddamn brown shirt and an armband. That's who they are. Who's going to pay? Not me. It sucks to be you. Oh, well. That's me. I'm a great American, though. Well, some of it should come from taxes, but the government should pay for it. But the government is funded by taxes. Yeah. I don't know where... Yeah, bitch. And guess what? The rich don't pay their taxes. In fact, 16 of the most profitable corporations paid zero taxes, including Jeff Bezos' Amazon, so he can go fly off to fucking Mars. He paid zero taxes. You and I paid more taxes. So... Give me a break and cry me a river with this goddamn who's going to pay bullshit. Guess what? They have to pay. The rich will pay. The progressive taxation will decide who pays. The top 1%, when you get to the top of the top, like in Eisenhower's day, they will even pay a 90% top marginal tax rate. You know, back in the day when Marco Rubio's or whatever, not Marco, well, him too. His father came from Cuba and uh, Ted Cruz's dad came here with 50 cents in his underwear and washed dishes. Remember when we had something called the Great Prosperity at a time when the rich paid a top marginal tax rate of 90%? They conveniently forget that. These are American ideals. There's nothing more American than understanding that we are in this together. And if they don't like it, like FDR said, he made a speech. And I love FDR because he never missed the opportunity to tell Republicans that they suck. And that to remind the American people who their enemies were. And that's why... Goddamn Joe Biden and the DLC Democrats are part of the problem. No, it's the Republicans aren't decent. They're not. Look at their standard bearer. If they were decent, they would have gotten out of the party decades ago. Even Steve Schmidt. I know he's an eloquent speaker. He hates Trump now. They're all in the Lincoln Project. But if it wasn't for Steve Schmidt pushing Sarah Palin on us, there wouldn't have been a Donald Trump. So they keep crossing the line. Now, the Frankenstein monster they created is rampaging through our civilization. You made that, Steve Schmidt. That's you. That's all you. So with this, um, how are we going to pay for it? We already pay for it. Guess what? They never say, how are you going to pay for Twitler's tax giveaways to the 1%? And then, oh, in my head, I hear the conservatives arguing, because I always know what they're going to say, because they never say anything original, and they have no new ideas. Their ideas are as old as the primordial ooze make the rich richer. But they say, how you how you going to pay for it? And, oh, wait, now I just forgot what I was going to say. 
money would come Let's from, just play this video. They can figure it out. Okay. <laughs> More taxes on the rich It'll people. come back to yeah, me. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, they can afford it. Tax yeah. We can't afford to have. How many rich people are climbing on our backs? Are we riding to the bank free of charge? These conservatives, these fascists, how dare they? This is why the American people are so confused. They really are, because they've been hearing all the same bullshit for years and years, and they don't understand. When you say to them, there's nothing more American than a 90% top marginal tax rate during... Our, I mean, recently, I know if I just Googled it, we could find Chuck Todd talking to AOC about the 90% rate. You know, he's because he's a mouthpiece for the 1% and the oligarchy. He is a Vichy collaborator in the class war. He's against the working class. And they're all collaborators. And... I remember him asking, the way they even frame the questions, too. It's, he's asking AOC about the high marginal tax rates for the Green New Deal. And they presented the way that he asked her, oh, uh, the 70% tax rate or 90% tax rate. He, I think she was, it wasn't even 90, it was around 70%. And he was, the way he asked her the question, like, it's so outrageous, and it is Chuck Todd's duty, if he was not a Vichy class war co collaborator against the working class, it would, be, it would have been his duty to frame the argument as in historical context, to say that, yeah, we, that we used to have high marginal tax rates, and they were understood by the American people to be patriotic taxes, and they are, that prevent the development of an intergenerational aristocracy. That is the purpose of a high marginal tax rate. It doesn't mean that you pay um, 90 or 80. And in fact, AOC explained this to him, and he, he seemed rather confused. Fucking Chuck Todd, because he was like, he was trying to, what they do is they disingenuously conflate it, saying that a 90% marginal, well, they don't say marginal, they say 90% tax rate, that's insane, 90%, and they don't explain. They want to confuse people, that's the point, they want to continuously confuse people. Who wants to pay 90%? That's outrageous. And 90%, that's not fair. Because people ultimately, because most people, this is the thing about human beings as well. The Republicans know this. This is why I know that we will win because we are on the right side of humanity. And, and they have to pretend that they are doing what all of their kiss-up, kick-down, class-war, greed-centered policies, they always have to present them as being for the best, you know, in the best interests of people. It's always for your own good, you see. And, like, you know, it's like slavery. Well, that's for your own good. You have to teach people the dignity of work, you see. Or even the um, skin in the game. 
were teaching you, but they, the, um, what's his face? Chuck Todd doesn't, he frames it in a way that deliberately confuse the people he's, he's pretending to inform. He's doing the pantomime of performance, uh, of being a journalist. He's not a journalist. He's, he's a collaborator in the class war against the working class. So he says a 90%, 90% marge, uh, he doesn't say marginal, 90% tax rate. No, and then she has to ex- explain. Why the fuck don't you know that, Chuck Todd? Everybody, I knew that. I'm not an economist, but, you know, I read a little something here and there. I learned a little something. You would think he would be able to explain that to the people. Instead of presenting or asking this question in such a loaded manner, with already putting her on the defensive as if what she's proposing is so out of the ordinary when it is not. It is, in fact, extremely American. It is as American as democracy, as protecting democracy from the enemies that would destroy it. That's exactly what we have to do. God damn it. And so when Chuck Todd says things like that, oh, what about this this crazy 90% tax and, you know, she explains. She should say to him, what the fuck is wrong with you? Don't you know? You don't know this, Chuck Todd? Or are you just playing dumb for the dupes? So you're trying to give it the veneer that of some kind of outrageous proposal when it is as American and as bipartisan as goddamn uh, Eisenhower. So Eisenhower's 90% top marginal tax rate, and uh, that just seems to be a non-controversial. Everyone understood it. But as soon as you start lowering the tax rate, see, now they always go about, they talk about JFK because JFK lowered the tax, the marginal tax rate, and... They point to him saying, oh, even JFK lowered taxes to stimulate growth. But at the time, what JFK did, this is how, because Republicans are liars and they will disingenuously say shit and conflate things without filling in the blanks or giving the receipts or explaining. JFK lowered the marginal tax rates, but he also closed the loopholes. So, in fact, the rich ended up paying more than they were paying under Eisenhower when it was a 90% top marginal tax because there were less ways for them to wiggle out of it. Right? Simple. Chuck Todd knows this, but he's a Vichy class war collaborator, and he's not on your side. I'm on the side of the working class. I don't know about them. Oh, I do know about them. They are owned by the billionaires who tell the millionaires to explain to the, those who work for a living that their problems are because some people have health care 
or some people want health care when they don't have it. Their problems are it's not the rich. It's not that the rich don't pay taxes. It's just that some people are taking advantage. Um, they might get 16 extra dollars in their food stamps. God damn it. I'm f- I'm all for that. If somebody gets 16 extra dollars in their food stamps, that's 16 extra dollars that goes into the economy. In fact, every dollar of public assistance returns a dollar 60 in in economic stimulus. But what do I know? I'm just somebody who works for a living. Anyway, and now so let's get back to this fucker. Since tax the 1% and find a way to support a living wage. The people with a good idea and a good reason to spend their tax money wouldn't mind actually paying more taxes. There are so many of these countries out there. Okay, and then they cut that. Let's hear what else he said. But that's not the point. It is to make these people seem to be fools and... Obviously, the guy was in the middle of a sentence. I would like to hear what he had to say to complete it. You hear? ...to spend their tax money wouldn't mind actually paying more taxes. There are- wouldn't mind paying more taxes if we had an economy that worked for all and uh, there were more people in the middle class that could actually spend money in the economy. And that's how it works. I don't know why they want to be rich people in a poor country, but that's who they are. So many of these countries out there that are employing a lot more socialism in their government and into their politics, and they're doing really well, so. Is Venezuela doing that? Ooh, I don't know too much about Venezuela, honey. I think they Oh, need to, here we go. I mean, are, are they still communists right now? So like, they're technically socialists. Okay. No, they're not. Look at other countries, it works. Like other countries, you pay higher taxes, but your government takes care of you. So when you see the social system in Venezuela, does that concern you? I mean... All right, we're going to explain. Let's see. Obviously. (laughs) Bullshit. What about Norway? What about Finland? What about New Zealand? What about Canada? What about Germany? What about... Denmark? Sweden? They never go there. They only talk about Venezuela. The problem in Venezuela isn't socialism. It's corruption. Sort of like the problem here isn't democracy. It's corruption. And like I've seen the downfall of like extreme leftism, but also like I see how it like boosts the community and like it has its up and downs. And I think we can definitely learn from history on that terms. Okay. Our country needs change, and if it has to be on the opposite side, on the extreme pole. Opposite Listen to side, the music too. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because we're such dum-dums here. That's what we need. Privatized health care is a huge issue. And yeah, if bitch. it was a government-funded thing, that would be, you know, when there aren't... Do you think the government would run it more efficiently? Yes, because the government, the government isn't running the health care. It's paying the bills, you stupid, smarmy little bitch. The government will run it more efficiently. Has anybody ever missed a social security check? Government seems to run that pretty efficiently. Medicare seems to run 
the most people who are everybody who's people who are on Medicare, they're grateful for it. It runs on a two percent overhead. And the VA, for all the problems that Republicans create, uh, they and and exploit those who are in the VA system. It is the most popular medical system in the country, and that is true socialized government. I mean, medicine, socialized medicine, the VA system is a socialized system, and everybody loves it. Who are They're in it, yeah, okay, they have some problems here and there. That's because people are involved, but you fix the problems. But nobody says, let's fix the problems by eliminating the entire VA. The VA ranks for, for patient choice. It is the top. It ranks the highest of all of the medical systems in the country. But whatever. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good ideology. Don't let the facts get in the way when the rich are trying to privatize everything so they can suck more money into their own coffers while we... Wake up and try to scrimp, save, and survive on the wrong side of Reaganomics at each other's throats. Thanks to the rich who own media and keep us divided. Okay? I'm sorry. I just exposed the entire matrix for you. In a perfect world, sure. I'm liberal. I don't know exactly, like, where I'd stand, but I know, like... Democratic socialism is better than conservative. It's just better than, it's the better option. In what way? Um, I, when I think of it, I just think of like more open-minded people, people that aren't like as economically conserved. Wow, they're so stupid, those people. You know what? You know who's really stupid though? I'm sorry that you happen to be black in a black neighborhood standing on a corner where they endlessly find people with guns and drugs. I'm sorry. So they should be shot if they're not... They're not being shot. They are, but on a disproportionate... First of all, put on your shirt, guy. You don't really have a nice physique to be walking around with your... your pasty white skin. Ooh. Rate. No. Three times. I don't believe that at all when you look at when you look at it. He's married immigrants. Three of them are immigrants. So what does that tell you? Is he racist? No. <laughs> what would solve the whole thing in the border if they would just start shooting? Only shoot a couple and they would go home. You think deterrence would work? They, if they would shoot. Shut down the dem shut down the government. We need the money to put up that wall. We need a wall that is high as hell and as dangerous as hell to cross. People die crossing that wall. Maybe they'll just stay on their side. Look at this shirt too. Liberals and Islam sucks with an apostrophe S. <laughs> it sucks what? Liberals and Islam sucks. S-U-C-K apostrophe S. These fucking idiots. You understand that they had to create that shirt that some that a lot of people got together. Not a lot. I mean, a few. It went through a couple of rounds where they 
someone had to create the graphic to present, you know, how's this design? What do you think? Oh, it's perfect. Liberals and Islam sucks. S-U-C-K apostrophe S. That'll really show them. And they printed it. They paid for it to be printed. Who knows? Maybe they screen printed it themselves. But still, somebody had to... They all had to see it, and they're all looking at it as well here in this rally. Didn't somebody say to them, um, sucks what? Liberals and Islam sucks. That shows them. Well, it reminded me when I used to live on Staten Island, there was this, there was this deli. And they had a, there was a roof on the deli, and they painted the, on the roof, that's a sign, because was, there was a lot of drugs in this particular neighborhood, and the sign on the roof said, say no to drugs, D-R-U-G apostrophe S. But that's a trump state, to not state, well, borough. The Staten Island is a trump borough. So it doesn't surprise me. Say no to drugses? I would be like, say no to drugs is what? Say no to drugs is. Liberals and Islam sucks, apostrophe is. <laughs> They're fucking unreal. It's really, it's, it would be funny if they weren't destroying the entire world. It would merely be comical. That's great. I didn't notice that when I first captured this, but it's perfect. Yeah, Staten Island. What a what a fucking what a sticky stinking bunch to be caught up with. <laughs> Staten Island. I grew up there. It's the scene of the crime, I call it. But I was never a, one of them. I was never Never, never, never. I told you, I still have friends who live there, and they're not assholes. They hate Trump, nor as all normal people do. And they, they say, I mean, my friend, so I grew up on Staten Island, and the people who live next door to me still live there when I was a, a child. I met them when I was four years old. And then they're like my second family. And I grew up with them. And they're still alive. And, you know, the husband is about 80. And she's, the wife is about 70-something. And they hate Trump. And I really, really appreciate Phil, who is the the older gentleman. And he, because he's, uh, he doesn't... He doesn't uh, hold back with these Trumpanzies. He lives around them, and he can't stand them, and he lets them know it. And I truly appreciate that. So not everybody who's on Staten Island is a moron. So, But a lot of them are. That's the only borough that voted for Trump. They And the my friend, who she says that they're... The people who, they all hate Obama. This is what she said. They all hate him. But they're all on Obamacare. And they all are on, uh, one. and this one woman who is a real big Trump-anzi, 
she her, she has a disabled daughter who is mentally disabled and she's on all kinds of disability and medicaid and Medi- you know social security disability and she's all about liberals this and liberals that that's the problem with conservatives they don't need a wall god damn it they need a fucking mirror they need a mirror to look at themselves the idiocies the idiots that they are how and that's another thing that annoys me about them completely it's that they don't have the manners the maturity to simply say thank you Thank you for allowing me to have a roof over my head, to, to allow, for allowing me to have health care. Thank you for fighting people like me. In spite of people like me, I'm able to go and get, go to a doctor. I'm able not to go and, and sell apples on the street corner like the little goddamn matchstick girl or apples and matchsticks. <laughs> And be like, oh, please, sir. Thank you, sir. No, you, you have a social security disability, a socialist security disability check that enables you to have somewhat of uh, some decency, some dignity in life. And you can go and get help for your mental problems. And some mental problems you even you could you qualify for government housing and subsidized housing they're all on all kinds of socialist this and socialist that but you know you know what it's about we know it it's racism that's what it's about they feel like they're entitled to it it's others you know what that means others it's those welfare queens that don't exist they're taking advantage all right let's continue if they were republican voters they'd be stopped Uh, the the Latinas at the border. Yeah, we visited sanctuary c- cities in, Port- up in Portland in Portland this summer. It was disgusting, and it's sanctuary. <laughs> You're disgusting. Chicago we have to be cities, and we're familiar with that. We don't want that in our country. He speaks his mind. We he don't says want. What's- we don't want you in our country. Look at this. Oh my God. His mind, and we're in his best interest when he does. I'm a mother of a child that's a little boy. What if 10 years from now, when he's older, a girl claims that he raped her with no evidence? <laughs> As a mother, do I just accept that? What, what if, if you had a little girl who really? no one believed? Well, I'm also a survivor of abortion. My mother tried to self abort me, so I feel like that if I were a mother of a little girl, I wouldn't have let a 15 year old go to a party and get drunk. I've said it. Wow, that's pretty right wing. It's all your fault if you got raped. This is why you can't reason with these people. Gee, Joe Biden, you got to work across the aisle for these fuckers? Let's meet them halfway. What's halfway between insanity and normalcy? Doesn't look that good. I, don't, I, don't, I won't take it halfway. Bipartisan with these? These freaks? long time women should button their blouse cross their legs and quit acting like they want something and then they won't get it 
Oh, wow. Really? Oh, so anybody who's sexually assaulted, it's their fault. So when Twitler sexually assaulted 18 women separately, I'm sure there's more. There's more people that haven't come forward. And I told you, actually, now that I'm saying this, I remember I told you a story about somebody that I know because I live in New York City. A friend of mine, I'll just tell the story for the newcomers. I worked for this woman, and she was saying, uh, this was during when it came, when the Access Hollywood tape came out, and she said, we were like, oh my God, what what a fucking disgusting human being he is, blah, 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 and my friend went to school with a woman who is rich, so she knows her from the sorority and they they were in a sorority together and they stayed in touch and they're facebook friends and this woman she said would because they ran in rich circles in new york and her and her husband used to socialize with the trumps melania you know well twitler and trophy wife number three and so she said that she's like, oh, it's totally true. She told my friend, and she said, I mean, of course, this is all hearsay. I believe my friend. You can take this for whatever you believe. I have no evidence. I'm just telling a story that somebody told me. And she said that they were they were hanging out one time that they were meeting. Her and her husband were meeting Twitler and Trophy Wife Number Three, and. For whatever reason, she was alone with Twitler in a room for, you know, whatever, seconds, minutes. They, Her husband was out of the room. Melania, trophy wife number three, went out of the room. And he, she said that Twitler pushed her against the wall and started grabbing her. Like, out of the blue. This is what she said. That it was, she could not believe it. It wasn't like she gave him any eyes or indication. He just pounced on her and started trying to kiss her, putting his hand down her pants. And she was like, get the fuck off me and pushed him. And she said, Melania walked in the room and saw it. And she doesn't care. That's what she said. She could give a shit. In fact, she's probably grateful for whoever fucks her husband, as long as it's not her. So that's how it is with her. And I also know, I told you this too, I'll tell the newcomers, the lady who cuts my hair, she was telling me, we were talking about Twitler, and she also cuts the hair of another lady who works for a big charity in New York. And she said that Trump, Twitler, was before he was the so-called president, but he's such a piece of dog feces that well he would get it he would grift his way to to an event that they had every year to honor the big donors the big contributors to this charity so it was a big dinner high ticket value or whatever and at the end of the dinner everybody would the all the donors the big donors like you had to donate a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was and all the big ticket um, tr- contributors would get up on stage to take a photo. They'd be like, okay, now we're taking the commemorative photo. And every year, 
Twitler would get up on stage and take the fucking photo with the rich people. He never contributed a dime. And the people would be like, what do we do? So you're, you're just the photographer. You're just the organizer. And what are you going to say? That's who Twitler is. He's a grifter. He never gave a dime, but he wanted to be in the photo because it looks good. It makes him look charitable. He's not rich enough to, to throw, uh, to give a charity $100,000. He, he grifts charities. That's what he does. He, comes, he makes fake charity so he can use it as his personal slush fund. He doesn't give to charities. Even his own charity, his, his useless waste of DNA spawns, and him, they had to take a class. They were court-ordered to take a class on how not to steal from a charity after they were exposed for stealing from their own charity. A veteran's charity, by the way. Of course it was. I'm surprised that he didn't, it wasn't a charity that uh, he wasn't getting a cut of all the Taliban money. Disgusting. You know, every time a Taliban shot an American soldier, Twitler got his vig. Anyway, here's this lady. If you don't, if you close your legs, yeah. What year is this? Welcome to the 21st century, lady. That's why these people are unfit. You can never reach them. And I say it all the time. I'm not talking to them. I don't have an interest in talking with them or bringing them along or helping them educate them. They are impervious to facts, reality. They are. So why would we, would we bother? The people that I are, I'm more interested in talking with are the DLC Democrats. I feel they have hope. Maybe they're misguided. Maybe they're like, oh, let's all get along, Joe Biden now. Let's all uh, rally around the f- Joe Biden. And that's all that we need to do. And we're done. Have a, a female vice president with darker pigment, and we're done. That's progress. That's change you can believe in. No, that's not even close. We've only begun to fight. And here's, here's the receipts, people. Here's the problems. This is the problem. Income inequality, upward immobility, the racist racial discord in this country is a byproduct of that. We have been bamboozled. Divide and conquer is the oldest trick in the book. They've, they've done it to all of us forever. Not just working class, not just white people and black people. They've done it to us. Of course they have. They've always pitted people against each other to keep us divided and weak. And, but there's no unifying with this. Who is this? This lady, you, all you have to do, your duty is to continue to evolve without her, and she'll come drag behind us. She'll have no choice, and she can complain, whatever. But t- trust me, she'll be sucking on Socialist Security, Socialist Medicare for All, so whatever we provide for her. 
as it is, as she feels it's her American birthright, she will, of course, adopt it and be as stupid as she wants to be. Oh, you're saying it's more on the women. I think it's ridiculous. They're not traumatized. They, no, I mean, 30 years ago, be real, okay? Let's be real. <laughs> so you're talking about Kavanaugh there? Whoever, whoever. You don't wait 30 years and then say someone assaulted you. Just don't do it. And if anything, uh, she should have did like Monica Lewinsky and saved the dress. Oh, he did fondled me. Really? 35 years ago? This is a Democrat playbook, and everybody in America knows it. That's Democratic, motherfucker. That's another thing I, I get insane about. All over the corporate media, no one ever stops them. No one ever says, excuse me, that's Democratic, you child. You tedious fucking schoolyard bully child. That's, that's what Republicans have done. They have reduced political discourse to a schoolyard bully taunt. Democrat Party. So much so that people believe that that's the name of the party. They say, the Democrat senator from... That's not how you say it. The name of the party is Democratic Party. So that would be Democratic Senator. And I watch Morning Joe and I'll watch MSNBC and no one ever stops them. That's how it gets into the public consciousness and people start adopting it. And it's a pejorative. And Lee Atwater, well, now he's, he, who knows what happened because he, he, he apologized for all the harm he did. But all, you know, uh, who else? Uh, Roy Cohen, uh, who else is a scumbag? Well, they're all laughing. Carl Rove, well, he's definitely laughing. Frank Luntz. They're all laughing whenever somebody says Democrat senator. It's not Democrat senator. And why? Why? Doesn't anybody stop them? And say, excuse me, before you continue, it's not Democrat senator. At least call people what they want to be called. It's Democratic. Stop throwing your gang signs. Because that's what that is. That is the... Equival- that's the Republican equivalent of a gang sign. I'm on your team. I'm a twitler. I'm a succubus. I'm sucking on the government teat while dividing and conquering the people for my billionaire benefactors. That's me. I'm Ted Cruz. I'm Jim Jordan. I'm the, uh, the enemies that the founders warned us about. I, that's why I say Democrat Party. That's a Democrat hoax. That's Democratic, you fucking tedious bore. You America-hating goon. Get the hell out of here with your patriotic symbols. You wouldn't know a patriot if it bit you on the fucking balls. He's great happy when they get the Oscar. And then whenever, I mean, I'm not saying he's not a scumbucket. Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, but they knew what they were doing. So on your back, you got George Soros, Hillary Clinton, Obama, and the Ayatollah? As negative, not positive. Right. You can see Michael the Archangel casting the demon into the abyss. And then you have below them, 
the enemies of the United States and its constitution. So can you explain why uh, Soros, Obama, Clinton, and the Ayatollah are the enemies of the state? Oh, come on, you know that. If you don't know that, you shouldn't be at a Trump rally. All right, you know it. It's like Bernie bros. They're so terrible. You know it. It's uh, Obamagate. It's been happening for years. Everyone knows it. We don't need to explain. Fucking this country. My God. Somebody save me. Somebody. Is anybody out there to save me? Ireland, are you listening? Jesus Christ. But, all right, so I wanted to play that as a compare and contrast to what were people who are stupid. Oh, they don't know what socialism is. Well, let's, let's, um, let's dive in a little bit more. We don't know what socialism is. Okay. First of all, it's not socialism that destroyed uh, Venezuela. It's corruption. Hold on. I'm trying to find this article. Why do I always lose my articles? After I set them up. Hold on. What the hell? Now I have to go through my history. Hold on a second. I swear to God, I saved it. <laughs> I had an article from the Washington Post up and ready to go. I wish I had a video to play. Well, first we can do this. Let's read this article first, and then I'll find the other article, because it explains socialism. Wait, let me give it another look. Around. Oh, God, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> let me see. Maybe I could play another video while I'm looking for this particular... Well, I don't want to... Get off track. What the fuck, man? All right, so let's read about this first. It's from the Pacific Standard. It is corruption, not socialism, that brought down Venezuela. Four scholars explain why the failure of Venezuela is due to corruption, not universal health care, by Thor Benson. These days, it seems you can't talk about socialism without being required to talk about Venezuela. Largely, (laughs) Shannon's saying, play the loop. (laughs) I just put the loop on, right? And everybody gets, everyone uh, gets hypnotized. Socialism, yeah. 
That'll distract you for a minute. My goodness, JD, a super chat. Thank you. A, a 9.99 pound super chat. I love it. Where are you? Are you in England? Please take me away. I'm Irish. I can get my Irish citizenship and get out of here. Please. Can I sleep on your couch maybe <laughs> while I get myself together? Somebody. All I need is a break. Just go back to the old country. That's why I wonder, why did my grandmother... What the hell was she thinking? She brought my father here. She had to have her anchor baby. That was my father. God damn it. I'm such an idiot. What the hell is wrong with me? I had this great article ready to go. And now I can't find it. See what happens? Thank you for your super chat. This is great. You guys are really helping me because I, I'm starting to feel self-conscious about the show. And I'm like... Does this show suck? Because now I can't find my the article I was going to read. Ah, boom, boom, boom. I found it, but that's good. It's a good article. I will read it in a minute. But first, let's continue with what I was just reading. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Super Chat, Robin M. Thank you. Thank you, Haiku, for your super chat. This, we're doing great tonight. You guys are great. I love the chat room. It makes me feel good that we all get together and we're meeting new people. We're getting new patrons. And yet again, I'll say it again. Okay, what's today, Wednesday? If we get another patron overnight, I'll do another show tomorrow. What do you think of that? I'm only doing the show tonight. I said I was for real. Because uh, I said unless we get... If we get a new patron overnight, I'll do another show tomorrow. And gratefully and thankfully for my self-esteem and for my feeling of hope, we got three... We had, we had some movement on the patron front. Laura became a patron... Sam upped his patronage, and Lori became a patron for the first time. As yesterday, it, the show was brought to us by John, who became a patron. So, we can't ask for anything more except about a thousand more of you. We will get there. I believe that now. I do. Shannon is, she's on the chat but she's also a dear friend that I've known for many years. 
We've been through a lot together, haven't we, Shannon? She could tell you stories. And, yeah, she can. She's got the receipts for that. And um, half the day is Shannon spent talking me off the ledge. <laughs> She's like, you can do it. And then the first part of the show here is the rest of you guys. The Tower Buster chat room saying, you're doing good. You can do it. I have faith in you. <laughs> That's why we're good people. Liberals. Don't, <laughs> don't tell a story, Shannon. I don't want my illusions shattered. Covert white rabbits. They won't shatter your illusions because I already talk about it here. I, I kind of... I don't really hide much. I talk about being an addict. I talk about my being in recovery. Well, Shannon had saved a letter that I wrote her when I was in rehab. She showed it to me today and to say, look how far we've come. It's true. It is true. So sometimes you need to think that. You know what I mean? You got to remember, because I always, this is another thing I have to say, and I'm I'm only sharing it for maybe other people, because I'm always like you, and like most people, I am my worst critic. It doesn't matter you know, how many, uh, how many positive things or whatever, I am always, I doubt myself, and I beat myself up, and I think, uh I project into the future, but, and I'm always, you know, I, one of the things that bothers me about me <laughs> is that I, I worry and I trying not to because worrying is a waste of time. I worry. It's not, it's, I guess it's anxiety more projecting into the future. I, I feel uh, a lot of anxiety and that's, I hate it. So, I think when I'm in a more rational mind, I think it doesn't matter. What is the, what worrying is wasted energy. So action is the good. <laughs> yes. JD is like, you have an article to share? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> That's funny. Well, taking action. Let me just cut to the chase. Taking action is the best remedy for for anything for despair for anxiety and the world feels overwhelming sometimes but that's why the show gives me hope because you give me hope that's what i'm trying to say all right back to the article <laughs> that's funny you got an article bitch i want to hear you goddamn sh stories about your mental illness it is therapy we call this therapy for the resistance it is therapy it can't we can't help it we can't help but it be therapy because i've had a lot of therapy and i still need it we all need it all right these days you can't talk about socialism without being required to talk also about venezuela Largely because certain people on the right 
bring up the failures of Venezuela every time the word socialism appears. Right-wing pundits claim incessantly that socialist policies are to blame for the terrible conditions that Venezuelans are now living through. But this story is fundamentally false. It's a cheap rhetorical tactic, says James Galberth, professor of economics at the University of Texas, Austin. No serious person makes this argument, says Dr. Richard Wolff. We know him. I I don't know. You might have heard him on Tom Hartman's show. And he's he's a a really kick-ass economist. And I think he does a podcast, too. So you should search him if you don't know already, uh, if you're not already subscribing to his podcast. So Dr. Richard Wolf, Professor Emeritus in Economics at the University of, Mass- Man- uh, University of Massachusetts Amherst. Did I say it wrong? America? What did I say? Did I say it wrong? See, now I'm being incredibly self-conscious. Uh, no, I said it right. Emeritus. Did I say Americus? Emeritus. Professor Emeritus in economics at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. There are many reasons why Venezuela failed and uh, in the way that it did. But it certainly wasn't because Venezuelans got free health care. An over-reliance on oil ex- exports in the years before oil prices plummeted in 2016 was a partial cause of the crisis. Intervention by the United States is another important part of it. Most crucially, it was a government rife with corruption that shattered Venezuela. What socialist policy failed... uh, What... All right, sorry. What socialist policy failed in Venezuela, Noam Chomsky asks rhetorically. The policies of allowing virtually free reign of capital for enrichment? Of course it is. This is what I'm talking about, and this is why I'm reading this article. Because we need to arm ourselves with the truth, because that's all they say. Oh, what about Venezuela? We don't want to be like Venezuela. We don't want to be like the United States in corruption. Democracy, it's like Putin pointing to the United States and saying, see, democracies don't work. Yeah, it's not the democracy that's not working. It's the corruption. The United States is rife with corruption. We have legal bribes built right into the system. So, no, don't throw out the grand experiment in liberal democracy. Let's make it work for all. Let's fix it. It's the same situation with Venezuela. You can't point to Venezuela. Well, of course you can. They're doing it. And say, look, Venezuela. Oh, it's socialist. Like that kid said, the the guy asked, Venezuela is socialist? Technically, it's socialist. Well, tell me. What do you mean technically? Tell me. what What defines the socialist state? You're such a, you're such an arbiter of truth. You're somebody who you know, uh, you, you know more than all the people who live in this community that voted for AOC. Enlighten us, please. 
What makes Venezuela socialist? Oh, it's free health care that, plun- that plunged Venezuela into, into chaos? No, it's the corruption. Free health care, we're the only country that doesn't have it. Other countries are working just fine, and they're not doing anything to get rid of their, their public health care systems and their social safety nets. Germany, they have different laws that mandate the working people in companies have to be on the board of directors. Well, that sounds like socialism to me. This is why countries work. Why we're the only country with with a 40 million people out of work in a pandemic. It's not because democracy fails or this, the grand experiment is fundamentally broken. It is because of the corruption that they've broken it. As always, it's all about who runs it, what the agenda is. You can't just point, well, this is what they do. It's like, that's what Republicans do all the time. My camera's going in and out of focus again. Let me see. Why? It is going out of focus. Jesus Christ. I, let's try that. Get back in focus. Why is it doing that? I had turned off autofocus, but it turns on automatically for some reason. I know it's annoying. But thank you for saying that. Yeah, I fixed it. Well, it was Ron Placone who told me you have to download this app that connects to the camera. And it worked. I do have the app open. but And I have turned off autofocus. But for some reason, it continuously wants to autofocus. Well, I did it again. Hopefully, that'll it'll stick for a little longer. All right. So, as far as socialism in Venezuela, no serious person makes this argument, says Dr. Richard Wolff. There are many reasons why Venezuela failed the way it did, but it certainly wasn't because Venezuelans got free health care. An over-reliance on oil exports in the years before oil prices plummeted in 2016 was a partial cause for the crisis. Intervention by the United States is another important part of it, Most crucially, it was a government rife with corruption that shattered Venezuela. What socialist policy failed in Venezuela, Noam Chomsky asks rhetorically, the policies of allowing virtually free reign of capital for enrichment. Anat Amandi, a professor of economics and finance at Stanford University, tells me that corruption can devastate any country regardless of the ideology that inspires your economic policies. There's, if there's too much corruption, the country will fail. Both capitalism and socialism can be corrupt. Unfortunately for Americans, the current U.S. presidential administration has established historic levels of corruption. There's nepotism everywhere you look. The people are supposed to regulate industries are very often representatives of those industries. 
Donald Trump is using his position to enrich himself and his family on a daily basis. The list goes on and on. Corruption, not socialism, is the malignant tumor on democracy worldwide. In Venezuela, yes, but also here at home. In the past, other largely capitalist countries have experienced the the destruction and social breakdown that accompanies corruption and a lack of popular control over industry. Honduras, Haiti, and Guatemala offer clear examples of this reality. Galbraith notes that you can compare these three countries to socialist Cuba using nearly every indicator, education, life expectancy, or whatever else, and find that Cuba is doing better. Cuba is hardly free of corruption, of course, but it's worth noting that Cubans find themselves better off than citizens in these other non-socialist nations in Latin America. The U.S., meanwhile, is not by any measure a purely capitalist country. Galbraith notes that capitalism in America has faced many crises, such as the Great Depression and, more recently, the Great Recession. In each case, but most, but much more significantly after the Great Depression, we did what we had to do to restrict industry and have responded to those crises, in part by adopting arguably socialist policies. As many observers have noted, Social Security and Medicare certainly are not capitalist programs. The bank regulations passed after the Great Depression and the Great Recession, which were designed to rein in the financial services industry, are also not in line with an entirely free market. Capitalism can work if the rules are well-designed and effective, Amandi says. Further, she rejects the notion that Milton Friedman's idea of a free competitive market without deception and fraud can ever arise indoor in nature. Governments must create the rules of the game because markets often fail to produce efficient outcomes, let alone just ones. People are companies, people and companies acting in their own interest can cause significant harm, Amandi says, if governments fail to do their job on behalf of the citizens. The U.S. economy is in no way resembles the most purely capitalist economy that existed before the 1930s, which collapsed, Galbraith says, adding that no successful economy in the world resembles the American model of capitalism that existed in the 20s. Chomsky says that paranoia over leftist policies in America are overblown. He doesn't think Senator Bernie Sanders' proposals would have surprised Dwight Eisenhower, explaining why social welfare policies popular in the mid-century are now branded as dangerous socialism. Chomsky says that there's been a serious regression in fiscal ideology since the 1950s, During Eisenhower's presidency, as many have noted, the top marginal tax rate was 90%. Both parties have moved far to the right during the neoliberal period, so New Deal-style policies, many quite familiar in other developed societies, look radical, Chomsky says. 
Politicians like Sanders will often refer to Nordic countries like Denmark, Sweden, and Finland in defending their proposals. These Scandinavian societies offer things like free college, tuition, universal health care, other programs that help everyone, including the working class. The people in these countries tend to be happier than Americans. These countries tend to understand better where markets fail. Amandi says. They also believe in much more transparency, which helps reduce the abuse of power. Here in America, there is a mere individualistic culture and more opacity, which can breed abuses of power. For example, just an aside, all of the the bailout money, the PPE money or PPP money now, that Twitler and Mnuchin have made completely opaque. We're not allowed to see who received this money. This is nothing but theft with a mask on, period, end of sentence. That is corruption to the core. In what functioning society would we allow that? Trillions of dollars, whatever. I don't know how much was given to these corporations without a paper trail without us, we the people, the ones that they represent, getting to know who took this money. You know why? Because they took the money, and not only did they take it and run, they did exactly what we said they were going to do. They inflated their stock prices, they gave themselves bonuses, and they laid off their workers in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, where are Tara's kitties? John, you know where they are. They're on the refrigerator. Those bastards. They're hanging out on the refrigerator now. The both of them. They like it up there. They'll they'll get over it. Tara Jr. will be here. Tara Jr. See if he comes. Oh boy. According to these observers, Americans who support capitalism would do well in start, uh, to start addressing the vast and deepening income inequality we see in this country. Hello. That's what we talk about here every night. Well, every night we have a show. The longer it goes unaddressed, the more likely it is that we will see bigger problems than the ones we're already facing. God help us. Oh, my God. Significant inequality breeds unrest and dysfunction. And that's what we got. Every society that wants to survive over an extended period of time has to keep its levels of inequality under control, Galbraith says. There's a very close relationship between inequality and instability. A rise in inequality is generally a sign that you're headed for trouble. Well... We can only hope. Hey. What? Did somebody see a cat run by? Francis. <laughs> Francis. There they go. Something's going on, those two. Chasing each other. Francis. Francis. All right. 
At least some wealthy people are concerned about what might happen if we don't address income inequality. A group that formed in 2010 2010 called the Patriotic Millionaires is lobbying for higher taxes on the rich, giving the working class more political power and other policies to reduce inequality. With so many people joking about guillotines and eating the rich, you can't blame them for being worried. Adopting a few more social welfare policies to combat inequality will not doom America to the fate of Venezuela. Except, just an aside, you know that that's why they, if they liked, if they loved this country, they understand what needs to be done. They, if they truly loved the United States and the grand experiment in liberal democracy, they wouldn't ab- ab- abide this income, this income inequality. They wouldn't stop the policies that we need because they understand this. And this is why I say all the time, don't be fooled. Republicans hate this country. They are, they are deliberately dismantling the country, the democratic system that so many fought, bled, and died to entrust to us. They're doing it on purpose because this is the point. If they, if they wanted to do something about it, they would join with the Green New Deal and they would do something. They wouldn't put up a goddamn roadblock to anything. You would have them at the table at least discussing but not, not, that's not what they're doing. What they're doing is stuffing the courts with more loyalists so the corruption can continue. They understand this. That's why I say all the time, the goal of conservatism is to drag us back to the system the founders rebelled against. And it's absolutely, I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not being alarmist. That's what they're doing. Don't be deceived. They're not patriots. We are. We are legitimately, actively trying to save this country, to ensure that a country works for all. And that what are they doing? Talking about Venezuela. They understand that they're full of shit. They know. Not, I mean, I don't know about the dumb, dumb idiots who are working for this uh the video I just played, the campus reform, I'm not sure how much their depth of knowledge is, but you know that those who are at the top, the elites, maybe not Jim Jordan, they don't really know, but some of they do understand that income inequality, upward immobility is terrible. It's destroying this country. And they get it when they talk about Venezuela. They know they're being disingenuous. They know that this country needs universal health care and policies that protect the working people and regulate capitalism so we can all have an economy that works for all. They understand that. And... Instead, instead of helping, instead of coming to the table and having and really working 
to ensure a country that works for all, that we can pass on to future generations. They're talking about Venezuela disingenuously to prevent any attempt at righting the wrongs that are so apparent to everybody. Maybe not those who under, maybe the people who don't understand. There are people who don't understand, of course. Like a fish doesn't realize it's in water, probably. Oh, boy. So to, to wrap this article up, Adopting a few more social welfare policies to combat inequality will not doom America to the fate of Venezuela, but more corruption could bring us closer to that calamity. Exactly. Properly implemented, these policies would make America look more like the previously mentioned Nordic countries. If Americans have anything to fear, it's not Karl Marx hiding under their bed waiting to surprise them with free health care. It's the influence of money in politics. Hello. This is what we talk about every day on the show. Boom. I'm putting this article in the Discord chat. And... So, secondly, first of all, let me see what you guys are doing. What's going on in the chat room here? Let me see. Uh, Where are you? Where you been? Where you been my whole life? Where the fuck are you? (laughs) Where are you? Where are my people? I'm looking for my people. What the hell? Yeah. Where are my people at? I gotta figure out a better way put the chat room somewhere I can easily access it or access it like earlier today (laughs) I was watching MSNBC I was hate watching MSNBC and Nicole Wallace said something about something was enveloping (laughs) Trump was enveloped in something. Obviously, she meant to say enveloped. She was reading a teleprompter. Trump is enveloped in... All right. That's why you paid the big bucks, I suppose. That's why we're a bunch of dum-dums here. Enveloped. He's in... He's enveloped in in corruption. Enveloped in scandal. Have I talked about the Gilead price gouging? Not yet. We can do it now. I have a couple of articles. 
I was gonna play. I was just trying to find you guys. Beep beep ba ba boo. Yeah. Alright, there you are. Make sure I could see everybody. Hmm. Alright, let's see. I had another article. This is the article. First, I'll read this one. Because this also is related to what we were just talking about with Venezuela. This is from the Wall Street Journal. By Greg Ip. Hugo Chavez must be spinning in his mausoleum. It's bad enough that the socialist regime Mr. Chavez handed down to Venezuela could soon crumble under the intensifying international and domestic pressure. Now to add to the indignity, the very word socialism has been debased into a millennial hashtag on the left and a schoolyard taunt on the right. Drained of any ideological substance that Mr. Chavez would have recognized. Some polls find young American adults prefer socialism to capitalism and self-described democratic socialists, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a New York congresswoman, and Bernie Sanders, a Vermont senator, have captured the hearts and minds of many Democrats. Right on cue, critics say they turn U.S. into Venezuela. In his State of the Union address, President well, Twitler condemned Venezuela's socialist policies and vowed America will never be a socialist country. Republican legislators cheered, asked why he didn't donate to presidential contender in Massachusetts Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warner, Warren, former Starbucks chief executive Howard Schultz, recently said, I don't believe the country should be heading to socialism. Would these people actually know socialism if they saw it? Taxing the rich, Medicare for all, a Green New Deal that replaces fossil fuels with renewables are certainly liberal, probably radical, but socialist? Hardly. I don't agree with the probably radical thing, obviously. Fuck that shit please. They redistribute the outcomes of the market. They do, they do not replace the market with the state as the means of allocating production. That's socialism. That's the true hallmark of socialism. And Venezuela's catastrophic experience is a useful lesson in why it has fallen out of favor around the world. Of course, this guy, we just read the other article, it's not socialism that tanked it. It's fucking corruption. But socialism is, of course, a big tent having one point uh, included so Soviet communists and Scandinavian social democrats. Every country is a little bit, a little bit socialist. Insofar as every government owns some productive assets, until the 1980s, government ownership in strategic industries such as telecommunications, energy, and transportation were commonplace. Venezuela was no exception. In 1976, like developing countries, 
it nationalized the oil industry with the creation of a state-owned PDVSA. It was, until the 1990s, relatively well-run. Though Mr. Chavez denied he was a socialist when he first elected... uh, Wait, wait. When he was first elected president in 1998, he soon radicalized. Ricardo Hausman, a former Venezuelan government official and now an economist at Harvard University who supports regime change, soaring oil revenues in the 2000s enabled Mr. Chavez to embark on a sweeping nationalization of the economy. The government expropriated 6 million hectares of land, the steel sector, cement sector, supermarkets, telecoms, banks, dairy factories, coffee processing factories, hotels, and essentially ran them all into the ground, Hausman says. It imposed controls on prices, imports, and foreign exchange, which, in effect, expropriated the cash flow of private companies. When oil revenue fell because of mismanagement, the government forced the central bank to print money to finance its spending, resulting in hyperinflation and current economic collapse. Venezuela's socialism, which was heavily influenced by Cuban communism, isn't just a disaster, it's unique. Despite the region's long history of left-wing populism, no Latin American country has since followed in Venezuela's path. Nicaragua, Bolivia, and Ecuador have left-wing governments allied with Venezuela, but all have free trade and private ownership and market mechanism. Well, that's what we're calling for here. We're not saying that government is going to make your cars or your shoes. We'll leave the shitty shoe industry to the Chinese wage slaves and Ivanka's sweatshops. Anyway, where was I? Under former President Rafael Correa, Ecuador did force foreign oil companies to renegotiate contracts under the threat of nationalization. But unlike Mr. Chavez, Mr. Correa couldn't finance a massive expansion of the state by printing money. Ecuador gave up its own currency for the dollar in 2000. Inflation averaged 3.8%. During Mr. Correa's 10 years in office, this puts the American left's ideas in perspective. Ocasio-Cortez has proposed a top income tax of 70%. Well, of course, he leaves out marginal, but where it stood is recently in 1981. Moreover, thousands... See, that's what what they do, right-wingers. That's what they do. A top income tax of of 70%. It's a marginal income tax. A marginal tax rate, meaning after your windfall profits, after a certain point, then it's taxed at a higher rate. So you could still be rich, but you can't be a billionaire or a fucking trillionaire. To the point where the rest of us can't save $400 while we're living check to check. So you don't get to go to Mars while the rest of us are down here scraping and fighting over the crumbs that you've left behind. 
thanks to the corrupted government and the laws of the politicians you bought. So they wrote laws so to enable you to accumulate more wealth than every other person on earth combined. So yeah, a, a top income tax of nine, of 70%, a, th- that's why most people who read that and they don't understand, it's not every, it's not your whole goddamn, uh, whatever the hell you take home is going to be taxed at 70%. And that's not even as high as it has been. After, and the studies show, when you go, when the high, when the marginal tax rate is below 50%, that's when you start getting boom and bust cycles and this wide income inequality. And this is what we should avoid. Thank you. I'm looking at the chat. I just got a couple of super chats. Thank you, John. Wonderful. And thank you, Platitudes You Can Accept. I like it. I like your name there. Thank you for your super chat. And welcome to the show. And please share the show with your friends. And please become a patron at patreon.com slash taradevlin. And please give the show a good review. I mean, there's a lot of... we. I ask of a lot. I ask a lot of you, okay? We're in this together. This is our show. It's true. Medicare for all wouldn't nationalize doctors and hospitals, though it might drive private insurers out of business, putting the U.S. where many industrialized countries already are. If the federal government ends up financing significant expansion of renewable energy under a Green New Deal, it would be unprecedented. It created, it wouldn't, wait, wait, sorry, it wouldn't be unprecedented. It created the Tennessee Valley Authority in the 1930s and the interstate highway system in the 50s because social benefits didn't lend themselves to private investment. Exactly. If we were all about nothing but the unholy dollar, the the rubes in Tennessee would still be sitting in the dark. As dark as they... Sitting, sitting in the dark, literally, as dark <laughs> as they are sitting in the dark metaphorically unbelievable Ms. Ocasio-Cortez goes further proposing that the Federal Reserve finance those investments which would either compromise its control of inflation or fail to save the federal government any money and thus be pointless okay whatever that's your opinion where Democrats actually may remake capitalism is in corporate governance. Ms. Warren would have workers select at least 40% of the directors and demote shareholders to just one of the many stakeholders in which corporations are responsible. Mr. Sanders and Senator Chuck Schumer would prohibit companies from buying back stock unless they also pay workers at least $15 an hour and provide various other benefits. Mr. Edwards of UCLA doubts that these would have much practical effect. If you send big four auditing companies out to see how many of the S&P 500 ignore stakeholder goals, you'll see that none do. 
Yeah, because it's all about the riches of a few, not the wealth of the whole nation. These democratic proposals conscript private capital in the pursuit of social priorities. Much as President Trump, otherwise known as Twitler, already has by threatening companies who ship production out of the U.S. to raise drug prices or publish critical news. In the long run, they could threaten growth. Oh, yeah, it's always chicken little, right? The house is on fire. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. It's all going to be socialism and not, no one will... It'll be Atlas will shrug us all off and we'll be sitting there in our social safety net hammocks without a society because how much can you spend other people's money, right? Right, uh, Margaret Thatcher? Give me a break. Atlas, do me a favor. Shrug. Shrug already. Shrug off. Do us a favor. Go Galt. You keep threatening to go Galt, but you're still here. How can we miss you if you never go Galt? As FDR said when he mocked the rich, saying, oh, they'll leave the United States if their taxes are raised. And FDR said, we will miss you. Bye. In the long run, they, th they could threaten growth by diverting capital from where it garners best returns. Yeah, because, you know, when you let the market do what the market does, everybody benefits. Well, except... I was just watching, for example, another Great Courses today while I was doing other things. I listen to the Great Courses. I like the Great Courses, except when they write scripts that say Democrat Party. I don't know. I told you that that script. I they did. I I'm a big fan of the Great Courses. It's like getting the best education from amazing lecturers and and scholars on any subject so i was watching the impeachment of andrew johnson johnson great course and in the middle of the fucking great course they say democrat party and i had to rewind it and i played it on the air democrat party and i wrote them i tweeted at them what is this shit i didn't say it like that but Finally, and then I, they never got back to me. But then a couple of months later, I was like, oh, yeah, I never heard from them. And I went back and I posted it again. And I said, I guess I'll take your silence as evidence. And I also tagged the Democratic Party itself. Uh, I'll take your silence as evidence that you're doing this deliberately, that you're using this pejorative term for the Democratic Party, for the oldest continuous political party in the history of the world, yes, and you're using it in a, because you're an ideologue or something, that you're a right-winger, you're flashing your gang sign, your Democrat Party gang sign. And they actually returned my tweet. They wrote back saying, we are nonpartisan and... 
whatever, whatever. And I wrote back, well, then if that's the case, I assume you will be rewriting and re-recording that part of the script and republishing it, correcting it, because if you are really the great courses, uh, everybody who listens to your great course, they, they get misinformed with every play. Democrat Party, how dare you? I'm sure Karl Rove got a kick out of that one. That's how it works, you see? People are, because either they're ignorant that's what's very concerning. Either they're ignorant of the whole Democrat Party thing, which is really doesn't doesn't uh, really look good for the great courses. Either they're ignorant or they're ideologues. They're right wing ideologues. So are you going to fix it? I'm going to go back and listen. I should. I'm not right now, but because that bugs me, and this is why. I say it's the truth, and you know it. Why media matters? It matters. Not mediamatters.com. Media itself matters. That's why they created GOP TV. That's why Hitler took over all the mechanisms of the radio and all the media, the newspapers, because it's important. And that's what influences politics. It influences people. It influences policy. So, okay. Someone in the chat, you guys mentioned the Gilead. I had already saved the article. And this is the corruption we're talking about. When you have a corrupt government, the democracy is not... Broken, exactly. Just like it's like socialism, like democratic socialism isn't broken. It is the corruption. Corruption can break any country, and this country is rife with corruption. We, we're not a functioning democracy. You think that if the founding fathers came back and took a look around and they saw Twitter and the Republicans and all of their dirty tricks... And the Democratic Party reaching across the aisle and, and, doing, and doing nothing but trying to, I don't know, push corporate interests. What's in that mug? Coffee. God damn it. What do you think is in the mug? I don't drink. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. All I do is caffeine. That's my last drug. Don't smoke either. You shouldn't smoke. If you smoke, I hope you quit, please. Because we need all of you alive, healthy, and ready for the fight. Let the conservatives smoke. They're disgusting. All right, so this is how disgusting the filthy gross for-profit health racket is, well, the whole drug industry, it makes you weep when you think about how this country, how we had some, oh, you smoke, Robin? Please stop. We used to have higher ideals. What about, I think about Jonas Salk and the polio vaccine. 
and his famous statement when they said, how come you didn't patent the polio vaccine? You could be a rich man. You know what he said? How can you patent the sun? This pays for, this pays for, it's, it belongs to everyone. Listen, here it is. Who owns the patent on this vaccine? Well, the people, I, I would say, there is no patent. This is, could you patent the sun? <laughs> Unbelievable. See if the for-profit health insurance racket and the ghouls in the drug industry, they see crippled children and they're like, cha-ching, cha-ching. We're going to make buku bucks here. Vaccine. Well, the people, I, I would say, there is no patent. This is, could you patent the sun? <laughs> it makes you weep. We. We did that. Human beings. The March of Dimes, that was... FDR's idea. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. I keep hitting the wrong buttons here. Look at all that cha-ching, cha-ching. Wow, lots of money to be made. Crippled kids. People will do anything for their crippled kids. They'll give they'll take out bank loans, they'll mortgage their homes. They'll do anything. We're gonna make buku bucks here. So this is from the David Sirota's blog. David Sirota writes, Gilead is profiteering off a COVID drug we already paid for. The American public helped finance the, de the development of Remdesivir. And it will now be charged $3,000 for a treatment that experts say costs less than $10 to produce. This is a story of cause and effect, David Sirota writes, a tale of repeated and calculated public policy decisions that have now led to a predictable outcome. This story begins 25 years ago when the Clinton administration rescinded a rule that required pharmaceutical companies to change, to charge Americans reasonable prices for medicines developed at government expense. Some progressive lawmakers tried to reinstate the rule, but Republicans and Democrats, bipartisan, joined together to halt 
those initiatives. You know, they were working across the aisle and getting things done. Like Amy Klobuchar, she can get a lot of things done. That's what Joe Biden promises. A lot of things getting done, bipartisan. I can work with these Republicans to fuck you over. Oh, don't worry, we're Democrats. We'll ensure that maybe we'll kiss you first. We'll throw some subsidies at a few of you. The rest of you are SOL, though. So instead of fighting and pointing your anger where it really belongs, why don't you point your anger at the ones who get the subsidies? Start resenting them. (laughs) That's how the game works. Resent the subsidy receivers while you get nothing and then you can keep it keep the ruse going while we laugh and ride your asses all the way to the bank this is why i'm glad as far as this article is concerned and david sirota he's a real liberal he's a real progressive a normal person and him like what we do here he connects the dots and he gives credit where credit's due if giving credit where credit is due makes you um makes people say oh stop bashing stop circular fire firing squatting stop criticizing democrats just because they have a d after their name if saying the truth makes you some kind of uh, circular firing squad, or forget it, then they, it's not, it's not me. It's not David Sirota that has to change. It's the Democrats. It's the policies. They got to stop being Republican, and they have to stop working with Republicans to screw us over. So I'm glad that David Sirota put it together. It's not just the republic. This didn't come out of nowhere. It's a story of cause and effect. Everything is cause and effect. Everything. Every choice you make is cause and effect. In your cause, inherently embedded in the cause is the effect. Whether it happens immediately, years from now, or 25 years from now. Like when you rescind policies, when you make, uh, let's say, make when you roll back uh, Volcker rule or the policies that prevent banks from using your your money that you in, that you put in a bank to gamble. That prevented that once when you roll back those policies and you enable banks to gamble with your money yet again, as they did before the first Republican Great Depression, what do you think is going to happen? The same. You will get the effects, whether it happens immediately. Just like with, for example, net neutrality, they, the FCC, they uh, undermined net neutrality, though the American people, millions of Americans said, hell no, we want net neutrality. And then the FCC commissioner, Ajit Pai, another 
filthy, disgusting, fascist loyalist said, I don't give a shit what you want. Corporations want money. As soon as they rescinded net neutrality, that didn't all of a sudden turn everything uh, into... They didn't start throttling internet traffic or making you pay tiers for access to the internet. That didn't happen overnight. It is... They're holding their their gunpowder they're keeping their powder dry but it is coming so for example as soon as they they rescinded this rule that required pharmaceutical companies to charge americans reasonable prices for the medicines that we developed on our dime we did that together Shouldn't that make sense? That, that, I mean, it makes sense. Shouldn't that just be fair? Doesn't that seem fair? We invested in it for each other. Why? We did it as a community. How dare these profiteers take it and price gouge the American people? This is the recipe for the goddamn guillotine, that's for sure. Some progressive lawmakers tried to rescind the rule, but Republicans and Democrats joined together to halt those initiatives. Unbelievable. Good, I'm glad. That's why David Sorota, these DLC Democrats, are always attacking him. Because he... He gives credit where credit's due. If they don't like it, if they, if the Joe Biden crowd, whoever they are, I think that, I don't know if it's a crowd, but if they don't like that I say this is what they've done, what DLC Democrats have done, then maybe they should stop doing it. And if the people, if regular Democrats don't like that, the way it sounds when we read these stories and give credit where credit's due on both sides of the aisle, then these Democrats need to join us on the right side of history and the right side of humanity and reclaim the Democratic Party for the FDR Democrats, the, the real Democrats, the real patriots. Stop being corporate lick spittles and stop giving me this bullshit about I'm a real Democrat. I'm a real Democrat. I'm not a socialist. I'm not a plutocrat. I'm a Democrat. What does that mean? Tell me what a real Democrat is. If a real Democrat, in your opinion, is somebody that works with Republicans to F over the American people, for example, by rescinding a rule that requires pharmaceutical companies to charge Americans reasonable prices for medicines developed on our dime, then you better do something about it. Do something about this Democratic Party. What is that a real Democrat? Not in my opinion. And I don't think it's a d- real Democrat in your opinion. And it's like, Denial to stick your fingers in your ears and say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You don't like it? Me neither. So let's change it. Let's ensure these Democrats, these fake-ass corporate Democrats, 
get the hell out of the party while we, the, the winning Democrats, the FDR Democrats, the ones who are capable of winning landslide elections and having and building a democracy that works for all, an economy. Give us, give us the keys, goddammit. Anyway, so the article continues. In the ensuing years, the Obama administration refused Democratic lawmakers' demands to invoke existing federal laws to force down the price of critical medicines. Meanwhile, the GOP also blocked legislation to let Medicare use its purchasing power to negotiate lower prices for prescription drugs. Of course. All of that reflected the lobbying, the campaign contributions, and the indomitable bipartisan power of the pharmaceutical industry in Washington. And it led to a result that this newsletter has been warning about, as Gilead just announced, that it will charge privately insured Americans more than three effing thousand dollars each for a five-day COVID treatment that was developed with financial support from the government. That's a $3,000 price tag for a government-sponsored drug that experts say the company could offer at $10 and still make a profit. It remains unclear how much the 3000 per patient cost, if any, will be covered by insurers and how much will be yet another out-of-pocket expense for sick people. What is clear is that many Americans, for many Americans, the price will be significantly higher than the one charged to customers in other countries whose governments, unlike Medicare, are permitted to negotiate lower prices for all their residents. Unbelievable. Price is in no way a hindrance to ensuring rapid and broad treatment. In this open letter announcing the price scheme, Gilead's CEO, Daniel O'Day, cast the pricing scheme as an altruistic and selfless act on behalf of the company, how dare you, which recently tried to monopolize the distribution of the government-funded drug in order to expand on its $4.5 billion profits last year. And you think they could survive on $1 billion maybe? Nah. This is, sh- this is smash and grab. While we die, while this country swirls the bowl, the rims of the fucking bowl. We approach this with the aim of helping as many patients as possible. Really? Bullshit. As quickly as possible. In the most responsible way, said O'Day. My ass. Who secured a $29 million pay package last year. Oh, poor thing. He deserves every penny, I'm sure. He works $29 million times more than the rest of us. You think he could have survived on maybe one million, half a million? He could scrape by, perhaps? In making our decision on how to price Remsved, I can't pronounce this, Remdes, 
severe. We considered the full scope of our responsibilities. Fuck you. We started with our immediate responsibility to ensure price is in no way a hindrance to ensuring rapid and broad treatment. Really? Then why isn't it $10 when you could still make a goddamn profit? $3,000. Who's got $3,000 laying around? To justify the big price tag for the drug, O'Day touted his company's expenditures on research. Bullshit. He did not mention that, what we reported way back in April, that various government grants financed tens of millions of dollars of that research, and now Americans are being rewarded for that investment with the industrialized world's Highest price for the medicine. O'Day makes an illustrative reference to the United States having a different system than the rest of the world. Yeah, the one that sucks. In one passage, he suggests that the company is deliberately aiming to recoup higher profit margins from America's uniquely corporate-controlled health care system. To ensure broad and equitable access at the time of urgent global need, we have set... Oh, hello, Sarah Jr. Jr. You were... Speak of the devil. You were called for earlier, and you didn't come. Where am I? To ensure broad and equitable access at a time of urgent global need, like you care. You're like, great, a epidemic, a pandemic. Oh, my God. (laughs) The precious, the precious. Give me money, the precious. How many beers? Okay. Oh, so many, so many profitables. So many preciouses. Profit. Give me profit. (laughs) What's going on with the lighting in here? Give me the precious. Give me profits. How many die? 120 and counting. So many sick, though. Two million sick. They need the precious. Some will pay. They will pay dearly for the precious. And I will take it and I will have money. So much money on the corpses. (laughs) Who knew corpses would be so profitable? So many people, they don't like death. They will pay. Their sick lives. Their sick, useless lives. They will go into hock. They will mortgage their houses. They will borrow. They will steal. They will beg for the precious. Ensure equitable access at a time of global need. Urgent global need. Fuck you. The balls on these people. We have set a price for government's 
of developed countries at $390 for the precious per vial because of the way the U.S. global system is set up and discounts of government health care programs and preciouses. The price of U.S. private insurance companies will be $520 preciouses per precious. The treatment uses six vials, so at 520 per precious vial. The company seems to be arguing that it has no choice but to charge private insurers extra for the money. For the drugs, I mean. This is somehow its public argument, even though Remdesivir's research has been subsidized by the U.S. government. The company presumably plans to make a healthy profit on the lower prices offered to other countries' national health care systems as well. Gilead positions itself as merely an innocent bystander dealing with a unique U.S. system. But it is part of an industry that deliberately created a system that is set up to encourage price gouging. It is a member of Pharma and Bio, two major drug industry lobbying groups that have fought off efforts to reinstate reasonable drug prices and to allow Medicare to potentially save billions of dollars by negotiating lower prices for medicines. Indeed, amid a flurry of pharmaceutical industry lobbying, legislation to reduce prescription drug prices remains bottled up in Congress to this day. Pharma and Bio, the lobbying groups, are both members of the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future, a front group created by health health care industry itself to oppose Medicare for all and preserve private health insurers' role in our medical system. Bio donated $300,000 to the group in 2018, according to its tax return. Azar insists we cannot control the price, but that's false. This doesn't mean that the federal government has to just sit by and let Gilead hoard a government-sponsored medicine and and fleece sick people with predatory prices. For instance, the executive branch could invoke a long-standing patient law known as Section 1498. Section 1498 is a tool that the government used uh, once wielded with frequency to tame high drug prices, wrote Boston University's Renee Conti and former pharmaceutical executive Paul Clethigan in 2019. It was used routinely by federal agencies in the 60s and 70s to obtain cheaper drug prices. Its use has waned as the pharmaceutical industry's power has grown. In 1965, the pharmaceutical lobby tried to tried and failed to amend Section 1498 to limit the law only to instances that implicated national security. Government officials strongly oppose any change that would forego one of the valuable powers which government has to assure fair prices. Unreal. Similarly, bipartisan legislation passed in 1980 
created the so-called march-in rights that empower governments to authorize another company or the government itself to produce a lower-priced generic version. The problem, of course, is that the government's healthcare apparatus is controlled by former pharmaceutical industry executive Alex Azar. During a congressional hearing in February, Azar insisted that when it comes to COVID treatment, we would want to ensure that we work to make it affordable, but we can't control the price, you know, because that would be socialism. That's false, of course. Federal officials most certainly could do things to reduce the price of this drug and any other COVID treatment. They just refuse to. Well, that's where we live. In the corrupt United States of serfs and lords, whose democracy is hanging by a thread thanks to corruption. So... Guys, let me see what you have been saying on the chat. Why is... Am I muted? One, two, three. I'm looking at the chat. Somebody says I'm muted. If I just went through that whole article muted, I see... Am I muted? Who can hear me? Somebody say. You can hear. Okay, good. Thank you, JD, for your super chat and the kitty sighting. $9.99 pounds. That makes me long for the old country. This is Tara Jr. Jr. I love this cat, everyone. Look at this cat, though. Have you seen him? Say hello to your fans. Look how cute he is. He's the living dream. He's a doll. I want to say thank you to all of you. It's 11 o'clock, so, well, that's a three-hour show. Yesterday we did a four-hour show. The day before that we did a four-hour show. We will continue to do shows. Thank you, Platitude You Can't Accept, for your generous super chat. Thank you all for hanging out. I hope everyone, of course, Jim, thank you. Has anybody seen Patricia on the chat tonight? Is she back? She hasn't been around. Let me see. Thank you, John. Damn, John. I really appreciate it. A new patron, a new friend, and and a prolific super chatter. Incredibly appreciated. So, the challenge yet again, we it's on. I'll do another show tomorrow. Maybe you'll get sick of me. I don't know. Or maybe you'll get used to me. And you'll want to tell all your friends about Sarah Buster. And I hope that you agree with what I... I really believe that this is what I think. I explained it in the beginning of the show. We need a liberal media or we're not going to win. So this show and shows like it 
Bob Kincaid, Mike Malloy, the real liberal media. We are, we are vital. Otherwise, we're done. Before I go, one last thing, because I wanted to say, uh, just to talk about Twitler's, him and Putin. Let me see, Putin, Trump. And saying that, I mean, he's just a, he, he's just a liar. He pandering to Putin, saying that he, it's, uh, it's a hoax. According to, and what we're talking about is that, well, here's the Washington Post, Michael McFall. Russian President Vladimir Putin appears to have paid Taliban rebels in Afghanistan to kill U.S. soldiers, having resulted in at least one American death, and maybe more. These Russian bounties reportedly produced the desired outcome. While deeply disturbing, this effort by Putin is not surprising. It follows a clear pattern of ignoring international norms, rules, and laws, and daring the United States to do anything about it. Putin sees the United States as his central enemy. He fears our democratic values. Yeah, that's why he's happy to corrupt the country and keep it corrupted and and look and say, look, look how broken it is. And Patricia, yes, hi, there you are on the chat. Do me a favor, Patricia. Go on the Discord and give me a direct message of your address. I may, you may have given it to me before. I don't have it. Because Jim, our friend Jim, I offered Jim a, a mug. One of these because of all of his super chats. And Jim said, you know what? I don't really need the mug, but I would like to give my mug to Patricia. What do you think of that? Would you like a mug? Would you like a resist mug with Francis Jr. Jr.'s face on it? So go on Discord, send me your address. (laughs) He didn't want a mug. He doesn't want it. What can I say? He wants Patricia to have it. So, and I'm happy to oblige. Let me, so, let's see. Putin sees the United States as his central enemy. He fears our democratic values. And, you know, I mean, we went through the whole thing. Democratic values? We're struggling to have democratic values. We have greed values. So we're a corrupt country. We're struggling. If we get our way, if the liberals, the normal people, the patriots, those capable of functioning democracy, if we get, if we win over these conservative bastards who hate this country, then we will have democratic values. That's what leaving no one behind is. That's Medicare for all, universal ha- health care for or higher education for all, living wages, retirement security for all. 
progressive taxation, high marginal tax rates on the rich to prevent an intergenerational aristocracy. So, I'll just keep that straight. He fears our democratic values, believes that we actively promote these values to undermine autocrats, including himself, and loads the liberal international order, which, in his view, serves American hegemony and weakens Russia. This latest act is designed to keep the United States bogged down in Afghanistan. Of course. More alarming is President Twitler's response. Nothing. This, too, follows a pattern of fealty before Putin. As the president has consistently praised Putin, dismissed Russia's meddling in the 2016 election, and never criticized Russian annexation of Crimea, and uttered not a word about the violations of human rights and growing autocracy in Russia, Trump's embrace of Putin, despite the clear cost to our national security, has tightened. But his latest moments of indifference, silence, about the killing of American soldiers marks a new low. And it also marks a new low for everyone else, for all the freaks who vote for him and all of his enablers. A new low? How low can you go? They've already crossed the point of no return. They're disgusting. All of them. That's why we have to win. Real Democrats. We now know what to expect of Putin, whose litany of belligerent acts is long and increasingly audacious. In 2008, he invaded the Republic of Georgia and then recognized its territories and as independent states, an obvious and violent attack on international law. In 2014, he violated Ukrainian sovereignty by annexing Crimea, defying one of the most sacred rules of international order since World War II. After the annexation, Putin armed and at times supported with his own soldiers separatist movements in eastern Ukraine, resulting in more than 13,000 deaths and roughly 2 million displaced citizens. These rebels also used a Russian rocket to shoot down Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 over Ukraine, killing all 298 people on board. In 2015, Putin deployed the Russian Air Force to Syria to prop up a ruthless dictator. His pilots committed war crimes when bombing Syrian civilians indiscriminately, according to the UN. In 2016, Putin violated American sovereignty, trying several ways to to influence the outcome of our presidential election. The same year, Russian intelligence agents allegedly sought to orchestrate a coup in in Montenegro. How do you pronounce it? Montenegro. I can't say it. Montenegro. Yeah, that's it. Just as the country was preparing to join NATO. In 2018, Putin attempted to assassinate an apostate intelligence officer, Sergei Skripali. Wait, wait, Skrip, Skripal, Sergei Skripal in Britain, using a toxic, um, easily traced back toxin, easily traced back to Russia. Then in 2019, his agents 
allegedly killed a Chechen Georgian citizen in Berlin where he had sought asylum after previous attempts on his life. And now in 2020, American intelligence officials revealed that Putin has offered Taliban fighters bounties to kill soldiers in Afghanistan. And that is exactly why he wants us continuously bogged down in the Middle East, creating instability and further dividing and conquering this country, further wasting money, further uh, uh, making it impossible for us to unify this country in any way. Tragically, Trump's feeble response to these atrocities are followed uh, by an equally consistent pattern. His administration has tried to implement appropriate policy responses. um, Wait, wait. Has tried to implement appropriate policy responses to contain and punish the Putin regime. Measures Trump himself has sought to weaken The administration rightly provided lethal military assistance to Ukraine, but Trump undermined the benefits of the policy by asking his friend and lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, to try to contain, to to, wait, to try not to contain, to condition the receipt of this military aid on a non-existent dirt that Ukraine's government might dig up on former Vice President Joe Biden. The administration rightly provided new resources and soldiers for NATO, but Trump weakened NATO and NATO unity and readiness by berating allied leaders, German Chancellor Angela Merkel in particular, and consistently treating the alliance as a protection racket. Trump reportedly participated in no process before deciding alone to cut the numbers of U.S. soldiers in Germany. He ordered substantial reductions in American forces in Syria, another present for Putin, without even telling his defense secretary. Unreal. Putin won the added benefit of Mattis' resignation over the matter. In return for all of these gifts to Putin, Trump has received a big fat nothing. Trump's exuberant fidelity to the Russian autocrat has produced no positive outcomes for the U.S. uh, or our national interests. No new arms treaty, no arms control treaty, no help in dealing with worsening relations in Iran, no assistance in fighting the Taliban, no withdrawal of Russian forces from Ukraine, no freeing from the Moscow jail of wrongly imprisoned American Paul Whelan and no amazing trade deals. Meanwhile, Trump has consistently tried to befriend Putin, even when it was considered politically unwise to do so, and when nearly his entire administration opposed this approach. Most shockingly, Trump stood next to Putin during a news conference after their summit in Helsinki in the summer of 2018, and told the world that he agreed with the Russian president and disagreed with his own intelligence community, and that the Mueller investigation, in believing that Russia did not interfere in the 2016 presidential election, even on small issues of little relevance to the American national interest, Trump has sided with Putin. 
with Putin's propaganda, including defending the Soviet Union's 1979 invasion of Afghanistan and suggesting that Montenegro might trigger World War III. Equally disturbing, Trump's alibi for his lack of response to the apparent Russian-ordered contract killing of American soldiers in Afghanistan is incompetence. The Washington Post fact-checker staff has documented more than 19,000 falsehoods uttered by Trump as of June. But for the sake of argument, let's assume that Trump is not orally bereft of, uh, about or orally briefed about this intelligence. That's in itself a damning indictment of the president and his national security team. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien receives the presidential daily brief, as do other senior national intelligence officers. Why did none of them tell Trump about this intelligence since the White House learned of it last year, especially before he called Putin half a dozen dozen times to invite him back to the group of seven or announced American troop reductions in Germany? During my five years in the Obama administration, the president reviewed relevant intelligence before calling any head of state or undertaking any major foreign policy decision. That process doesn't appear to be functioning in Trump's administration. Well, he calls Hannity and he calls Jim Jordan, Hannity, and who else? He calls uh, Getz, that asshole, Matt Getz. That's it's the truth. He calls Diamond and Silk, for real. There was still much to learn about the latest instance of Russian belligerence. National Security Council spokesman John Lloyd says that the veracity of the allegations continue to be evaluated. But even if Trump just learned about the bounties, he still had not said what he will do about them. Instead, he's denounced the reporting as just another hoax. Again, defending Putin instead of siding with the U.S. intelligence. It's no wonder Putin thought he could order the killing of American soldiers and face no consequences. As you read that, as I read that, it's unbelievable. The litany of the subservience to the Russian autocrat. Everything's a hoax. Aren't people tired of that? This is what baffles me about the Trump Anzies. Aren't they tired of it? You would think. You know what I mean? Like, don't you... Uh, don't you see? It's like a child. Coming up with the, no, uh, no new excuses. It's the same... Uh, a hoax. Everything's a hoax. Yeah, the whole thing. What a hoax. Who knows? We don't have any time to actually have a functioning government because we're too busy with all these hoaxes. Trump and the new hoax. Let's see. Trump. Things Trump has called a hoax. Trump hoax. 
Let me see. That's another article I, for some reason, can't find. I had a list of everything Trump has called a hoax. That's why I say become a patron. Give the show... Don't give a, go, a bad review. If you don't want to give it a good review, don't give it a review. I don't come to your job and I'm like, you suck. Just don't give it a review at all. Just walk away. Go watch Diamond and Silk. Go listen to Tommy Lauren. I don't need you coming to my job. I don't go to your job and go thumbs down. The president who cried hoax. This is from PolitiFact. Donald Trump has been tossing around the word hoax since before he won the White House in 2016. Well, won without receiving the most votes, but now that favorite term might be coming back to bite him. Uh, here's a list. What Trump has called a hoax and why. Trump is trying to undermine the trustworthiness of any source but himself, says Margaret Levy, a professor of political science at Stanford University. The point is to make himself the only credible authority. Well, like any autocrat. Trump has been throwing around the word hoax. According to Twitter and FactBase, the interactive web website that tracks Trump's public comments and tweet and tweets, Trump has used the word hoax more than 600 times, dating back to his days as a celebrity. Many of his earliest uses on Twitter were in reference to a global to global warming, which he frequently bashed as a hoax. As Trump's 2016 political opponents pointed out, he once claimed that the concept of climate change was made up by the Chinese. He since said he was joking. Everything's a joke, except it's not funny. So funny. Oh, he was kidding when he said "Put to inject yourself with bleach. It's just a joke. Or when he said, stop testing. If we don't test people, we won't have any coronavirus cases. Yeah, that's the way. It's sort of like if you don't weigh yourself, you're not fucking gaining 600 pounds. Just don't weigh yourself. And you're not fat. Trump's reliance on the word uh, took off once he became president. For years, Trump denounced former special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation as a hoax. While offering no credible evidence, the word has struck with Trump's supporters or stuck and became part of his brand, making it more effective. As many of his supporters believe him on, for example, Russian interference in the 2016 elections as being a hoax, describing other events with exactly the same term, reminds them of the Mueller investigation and strengthens his claim on the new event. It's sort of like how Hollywood uses the same voiceover artist for blockbuster films. Oh, because people, oh, they remember that film they saw, and they saw the trailer for that film, and they loved that film. So they use the same voice in a world. 
Trump took aim at Mueller's investigation as recently as March 30th, saying in an interview that the whole thing turned out to be a hoax. He's also dismissed warnings from the intelligence community about pro-Trump Russian meddling in 2020 as hoax number seven. Repetition like that is especially powerful, experts told us. The word serves as a symbol or signifier that conveys a complicated set of circumstances in a simple way. And that's how you have to break it down for the Trump Anzies, the low-effort thinkers with low IQs, scientifically verified, low-effort thinking. That's the Republicans, conservatives. Let's see. Low-effort thinking, Republicans. This is a study. From years ago, too. Many years. They've done many studies on Republicans. Let's see. Low effort thinking. This is from Huffington Post back in 2012. Conservatives and liberals don't seem to agree on much, but they might not agree about this recent study linking conservatism to low effort thinking. That's right. People endorse conservative ideology more when they have to give a first or fast response. The study, the study's lead author, Dr. Psychologist Dr. or phys- what is this? Oh yeah, psychologist Dr. Scott Edelman said in a written statement. Does the finding suggest that conservatives are lazy thinkers? Not quite. Dr. Edelman told the Huffington Post, our research shows that low-effort thought promotes political conservatism. Okay, not that political conservatives use low-effort thinking. Bar patrons were asked about social issues before blowing into a breathalyzer. As it turned out, the political viewpoints of patrons with high blood alcohol levels were more likely to be conservative than those of patrons whose blood alcohol levels were low. But it wasn't just the alcohol talking. According to the statement, when researchers conducted similar interviews in the lab, they found that people who were asked to evaluate political ideas quickly or while distracted were more likely to express conservative viewpoints. Keeping people from thinking too much or just asking them to deliberate or to consider information in a cursory manner can impact the people's political attitudes in a way that consistently promotes conservatism. Well, there you go. It's like you're drunk and stupid. That's exactly, that should be the tagline for the Republicans. We're not drunk, we're just stupid. Well, some of us are drunk. Yeah, that's a hoax too, right, Andrea? (laughs) It's all a hoax. Wow, we have so much work to do. Getting back to the PolitiFact article, in addition to calling his impeachment 
a witch hunt, a scam, a coup. Trump repeatedly used the word hoax to de- describe the impeachment process and accused um, an accusation of president misconduct, including most recently during March 21st. Weiss, well, I can't talk. That means I have to go to sleep soon. My White House press conference on the coronavirus. He also used the word on Twitter to dispute news reports and to discredit sexual assault allegations made against him, among other things. What other things? Like this tweet. The do-nothing Democrats were busy wasting time on immigration hoax and anything else they could make do before the Republican Party to make the, the Republican Party look bad. While I was busy calling for border and flight closings, putting us way ahead of the coronavirus battle. Yeah, that's really worked out perfectly. The coronavirus battle. You're a real great war president, Twitler. We're, uh, we're the only country where coronavirus is going up after four months, not going down. It's like we never shut down to begin with. Why does this fucking do that? It's so annoying. Why, why bother shutting down? I'm so sick of this thing. Making the Tara Buster show look bad. Coronavirus, let's see. The updates. We are really not doing that good. Daily reported coronavirus infections in the U.S. Top 50,000 for the first time after four months of shutdown. Because of Twitler and his disgusting, filthy, America-hating, kiss-up, kick-down, divide-and-conquer ideology. If only. Just let them get it. Unfortunately, they're going to take good people with them. That's what sucks. And we've only just begun. We have a lot of work to do, you and I, guys. We really do. And that is why. Take a look at Tara Jr. I know you want to see. (laughs) He is a good boy. Look at my shirt. It's covered in hair. Look what you have done. See? I got to walk around with one of these. Look at you. You are covered in hair. Covered from head to toe. Oh, be careful. Be careful. Air, air, everywhere. All right. So, you know the drill, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out. Yes, I will put these articles in the Discord. So, if you want to read them on your own, in our Discord, there's a section called Articles from the Show. We'll put that in there. If you aren't on our Discord page, you need to join. Let me see if I can get you the link. I'll put it in. 
Let me see. Edit the link. Never expire. Boom. Generate link. Copy. Where is... Here we go. Boom. Boom. There you go. That's the Discord. It's great. It's a great place to hang out in between shows. You can post things. You can send me articles. You can post pictures of your own pets, which I entirely enjoy. You could post movie suggestions you're watching or books or articles in general. Anything. You know what I'm saying? And you can hang out and get to know each other better. This isn't just a show. It's a way of life, I think. And I know. Thank you again, John. You're out of control. You're, you're really being so... I don't know. You're, you're touching my heart, really. Because you just joined the show, and um, I'm blown away. Thank you. That says a lot. Just finish the German show Dark on Netflix. That's a good one? Because I'll check that out. That sounds good. I watch... You know what I want to see? I want to see, speaking of German show, Das Boot. Season 2. If any of you have access or know where I can get Das Boot Season 2. It's on Hulu, Season 1, but it was great. But Season 2 is out in Europe, and of course it's not here. And I want to see it. I want to seize it with my own eyes. With my own beautiful eyes. I want to see it. And my beautiful mind. I want to wrap my beautiful mind around it. Like Barbara Bush's beautiful mind. And what else is good? I, I saw Barskins on Hulu. That was good. I like shows that have a historical something in it. I like shows, I don't, you know, it is really, I don't like shows, I'm not saying I don't like them patently, but I prefer shows that take place in another time. Okay, I, I don't know, I guess it's sort of like, I just enjoy, or I wonder what it was like for people. I enjoy costumes and the whole notion of, I don't know. Thinking about humanity. We're all the same. Nothing changes except we, we don't change. We're all the same. Times change. Uh, but human beings, we don't... Well, we have changed somewhat, but... Anyway, Barskins was good. And so was anybody else. So I'll check out that dark on Netflix. That sounds good. And if you anybody can point me to where I can find Das Boot season 2, I'd like that. That would be nice. In the meantime, also police, yes, we evolve. We we change. We have opened our minds. I f you know what I like in it too as well though. Just human history in in general. We as we evolve, it's uh, we're if we can relate it to 
the process of maturation in a human life that's that's what we do as a as a species as a human race we we evolve we mature we're the way i look at it we're still we're not even teenagers yet we're not, we're barely prepubescence but maybe one day because i think we open our minds things things change but that doesn't mean for example as far as slavery let's look at it like that the whole notion of enslaved people it doesn't mean they don't exist but there is a common it is generally taken as as uh, agreed on wisdom that it is not good <laughs> that is that's to it's not good to enslave people that that is not a, a moral thing to do but for the bulk of recorded history this is a rather new um invention or a rather new psychological adoption i don't know what's the word i'm looking at words i'm looking for words i don't have them but it is a rather new part of our evolution process for thousands of years of recorded history. Only in, it's only been a few, if not even a hundred years. Well, yes, 1865, the United States. A little over a hundred years. Concept, that's the word. Thank you, Jim. So it's relatively new here even in the united states but if you ask people all over the world they'll they will agree that slavery is a bad thing for the most part even though it doesn't mean it doesn't exist of course and but that that's that took how many millions of years of human evolution we have Recorded history, all of the greatest minds, all of the most moral and ethical thinkers and philosophers, none of them question the morality of slavery. So, I have my opinions on other things that we will one day take as common knowledge. For example, eating animals. I believe one day, not in my lifetime, Maybe a, a thousand, two thousand years from now, if we are, if we make it, human beings will say, "Can you believe? Can you believe that human beings used to used to have things called factory farms?" Yeah, we're not. We got a long way to go. And yes, I'm in New York. John on the chat. I live in New York. I'm a real New Yorker. I didn't come here to chase a fucking dream. I was born here. Where your dreams go to die. <laughs> There's Tara Jr. Jr. His dreams are just getting started. He's a good dreamer. All right, you guys. Anyway, if, if again, we're going to have the Patreon challenge. If. Somebody becomes a patron, 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 
in the next, by the next, whatever, by the next day, tomorrow, sometime, anytime, maybe I'll do a show. I will. I will. I'll do a show tomorrow. We'll get together tomorrow. You might get used to having me around. That might be nice. Like the way I listen to Mike Malloy. That's how I start my days. I don't often listen live, but it's a habit that I've had for many, many years now. My day doesn't seem right without listening to Mike Malloy. And it's, it's, it doesn't seem, I don't feel, I don't know, maybe some of you will feel that way about this show. Because this is a good show. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's a fucking good show. <laughs> I am telling you. Do I know? No, I don't. Do I know Mary Heller Terra? Me? Who is that? I don't know that person. Who is that? Is that a person? Mary... Maria, is that a joke or something? Terror? I don't know what that is on the chat. All right, guys, you're great. I love that. It's Patricia says, love that you are challenging everyone this way. I do, too. <laughs> I'm sick of it. That's why. I'm sick of it. We have to get this show up to fucking snuff. We need patrons. I'm sick of looking at other people's shows and saying, how come they got like 12,000 followers or 12,000 patrons? What? How the hell did that happen? And then I'm like, wait a minute. What? We can do it. First of all, I know that you guys like the show because you're here. And if I can find you guys, you know how many more people are out there that like us, that want to join us? We are legion. That uh, agree with us? That are like, holy shit. I've been waiting for this show. Where have you been? This is not just a show. It's a community. It's a cause. It's the truth. Because we know what we got to do. And won't it be great? What do you think we're going to do when we get universal health care? That'll be a beautiful day. For real. I know. Resist Evolve says, I just come for Tara Jr. Jr. Me too. I love this cat. Oh, stop complaining. Do your job. Mwah. This is your job. Right here. Mwah, mwah, mwah. He's such a mush. He's a mush. Who is that? Maria Heller. People keep mentioning her in the chat. Speaking the truth since 2000. Is she a talk show host? 
The mouth that roars. Is she a liberal? Hmm. I've never heard of her. I'll have to check her out. Maybe she'd like to come on the show. Is she a liberal? She's a normal person? All right. I'll check her out, man. I'll check her out. All right, guys. It's almost midnight again. I got to go. Listen, you know the drill. You want a show tomorrow? Huh? You guys want a show? I know all of you are... You're already patrons, so... Maybe you have a friend. And you're like... Holy shit, you gotta be a patron. Otherwise, we're gonna have no show. What are we gonna do? Alright, guys. What are we gonna do without a show? I gotta find my key. We need a show every day. God damn it. That's right. Liberal is a normal person. That's how I break it down. It's either you're a... You don't have to be a necessarily a progressive or a Democrat or a liberal. So it's liberals, Democrats, progressives, normal people against Republicans, conservatives. That's right. Because we are... We're up against it, yeah, and we have a lot of work to do. It's corruption, not democracy, that's broken. Remember, guys, I hope to see you tomorrow. But that's up to you. Not just you, not you guys, because you are already patrons. It's up to all of us. The universe, I hope the universe gives me a positive sign and says, yeah, man, we want you. We need you on goddamn every single night. That's right. All right, that's true. Because we are on the right side of history. We're on the right side of democracy. We're on the right side of humanity. You better believe it. We stick together. We win. We are the real patriots. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you so much for hanging out. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. Give the show a good review. And perhaps I will see you tomorrow. <laughs>